You've done great things in your life, and I just wonder how do I, as an average person, begin? Like well, first of all, never think of yourself as average. You started off with the wrong question, <laughs> because you're not average. You've got a lot going. I see you're smart. I see you're very beautiful. What we were able to do today was allow people to see his heart for themselves and to make up their own minds about him. And they, 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 they find out that he's not the person that the media has depicted him to be. Are you I support Donald Trump, and everybody knows. Everybody knows. 100%. Family's I've known Donald forever. I, I like Donald very Wonderful much. guy. I mean, he is. And, and he's miscast by the media. You know that. He's oh, a, I like Donald. He's got an enormous ego, but he's a good guy. He's got a big heart, by the way. He's very good to people. He's very kind to people. He's people good. don't know that. You just have to get that word average out of your vocabulary and you have to tell yourself that you're great and you have to believe it. If you can say it and don't believe it, it doesn't matter. A kid that worked in the back. Right. I said, well, hey, how is Donald Trump? This is before he ran. This is months ago. He goes, unbelievable. He would come backstage, come back to the kitchen and give $100 to the staff. Yeah. He would give these guys quietly. Nobody amazing, would know about amazing. that. The fact is, I go down the streets of New York, and the people that really like me are the taxi drivers and the workers, etc., etc. Also, his children. I know his son, Eric. I've met him a couple of times. Mm. He's a great kid. They're great, they're great kids. They're great kids. Yeah. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Do you like him? Yeah, I mean, he's real. That's what we need. I like his ideas. Those are real letters. Those are not corporate letters. Those are not letters from Exxon. These are handwritten. Those are not letters yeah. from General Motors. Those are letters from people. You have to have heart. You have to take care of women's health issues. You have to take care of poor people that don't have, that they're never going to have a shot. And you have to take care of African-American youth who have never been in a worse position than they are right now. This sounds like political presidential talk to me. And I know people have talked to you about whether or not you want to run. Would you, would you ever? I just probably wouldn't do it, Oprah. I probably wouldn't, but I do get tired of seeing what's happening with this country. And if it got so bad, I would never want to rule it out totally. I think Donald Trump, underneath it all, isn't just a business guy. I think he loves America. I really do. I think he cares. This country has such potential. I love the country. I think we can make it better than ever before. We have to unleash it. People have lost their spirit. Donald Trump represents truth, logic, and common sense. His incentive and his self-interest is tied to the well-being of the country that he's supposed to represent. They love me, I love them. And I'll tell you something, if I get the nomination, I'll win the Latino vote. I will win it, because I'm going to create jobs. I'm Hispanic and I vote for Mr. Trump. We vote for Mr. Trump! Get behind the candidate, Mr. Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. That's going to do something for you. Yeah. That's going to give you a hand up. Yeah. And sit up a hand out there. A lot of things that he said is true. Wow. The Mexican border. You're and, Hispanic uh, and you're saying that. Are you Hispanic. sure? <laughs> wow. I know what Donald Trump is doing. 
is representing the absolute heartbreak and anger and frustration at a government gone mad. I guess I just wanted to find out if there was one thing that you wanted people to remember about Donald Trump. What is it? Never, ever give up. The power of positive thinking. And I think that's very much in Donald's makeup. If I become president, I couldn't care less about my company. I want to use that same up here, whatever it may be, to make America rich again and to make America great again. Ladies and gentlemen, I am officially running for president of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again. Do not underestimate the power of Donald Trump, or you will be scratching your head wondering, how did he get the Republican nomination? And we will see the best debate in history. Hillary Rodham Clinton, Donald J. Trump. We are here to stay. Donald Trump all the way. Donald Trump has came up with some very strict immigration laws that would guarantee work in the African-American community. I hope he gets through with his intentions about building the wall. Well, I just want to let everybody know that not all Latinos are, are blind. He knows what money is, where it comes from, and how to make more of it rather than redistributing other people's in exchange for their vote. And the intensity with Trump is like nothing I've seen since I was a little kid and Reagan was running. And they were saying, this is America's last shot. If we don't get it right this time, we're not going to have a country left, folks. We're not going to have a country. Are we seriously trying to figure out whether or not Donald Trump would make a good president? The man has major, major skills that he can offer. This country right now owes $19 trillion, and they need somebody like me to straighten out that mess. Honestly, I really think voters and Americans are looking at this guy saying it's refreshing to hear somebody not be a wuss, not be a politician and really say what they think. These aren't dumb people. These are American patriots and they want this country turned around. I don't want nuance. I want bold colors, red, white and blue. America, I have seen in the last several decades absolutely fray and decline. When I saw those guys on the boats, on their knees, I mean, that's such a picture about America that I haven't seen ever before. Democrats, not one or two, but many, are voting for Donald Trump, as well as, the, as, as Republicans. I've seen this all over the place. So I think there's a big, big movement happening, and i got to say that, uh, you know, we need him. You know, this is a movement, folks. This is not, like, even maybe about me. I don't want it to be about me. This is about common sense. It's about doing the right thing. The silent majority is back, and we're going to take the country back. I have a big heart. I'm going to take care of people. I'm going to make sure that this country comes first. We don't come first. We don't come tenth. We take care of everyone else but our own, and that's going to change. We're going to become rich again. We're going to become safe again. And we're going to become strong again. Nothing is wrong with us. We don't have to like illegal aliens. We don't have to. We're Americans. We want Americans first. Why can't we be first? We are ready for a change. We are ready and our troops deserve the best. And in the Middle East, I guess we've spent $5 trillion. 
We could have rebuilt our bridges, our tunnels, our roads, our hospitals, our airports. We could have rebuilt our country. We could have rebuilt our military. We could have taken care of Social Security. We could have taken care of everything. We are going to win so much. We're going to have win after win after win. You people are going to get sick and tired of winning. You're going to say, please, please, President Trump, we can't take this much victory. Please stop. We don't want any more wins. And I'm going to say to you, we're going to win. I don't care what you say. We're going to make our country great again. We're going to win. We're going to win. And we're going to win. We are going to make America Hello, America, and welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to your <laughs> latest edition of The Sea Report. And uh, we are coming to you guys live on this uh, Monday, August 1st, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, how's everyone doing out there? I hope you guys are doing amazing. I hope you're doing fine. I hope you're doing great. I hope you had a wonderful first day of the month of August, eighth month of the year, as uh, we are getting ready to um, wrap up this year. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I always say once September hits and we're a month away, we... Uh, we lose the year quickly, as it were, so to speak. But uh, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on what side of the nation or what side of the world that you are on today, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossetis, and it is great to be here with you all for another edition of The C Report. We're coming to you across multiple platforms today, including uh, the pills.net, the foxhole.app, twitch.tv, cloudhub.app, and Rumble. Trovo and oh uh, yeah, we are live on YouTube right now as we speak. We're being a little rebellious here. You know, here at Mr. CTV, one of our mottos is, you know, independent, patriotic, and rebellious, ladies and gentlemen. That's just one of the mottos, not the mantras, but one of the mottos. So yeah, we're kind of like being a little rebellious, sneaking in behind enemy line enemy lines, and I've uh, decided a little strategy I have here for YouTube, anyways. And uh, you know what? They're gonna get a little bit of truth. They're going to get a bit of, little bit of information. They're going to get a little of insight and knowledge into what is otherwise banned, censored, and totally stripped away from all Americans and all people around the world, as is their right to know, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, basically, that is when we go live, it's no holds barred here at Mr. CTV. And then over on Suzanne Tube, we will summarily and promptly delete the episode. So it won't be archived, but it will be live. You know, I don't know how they handle that over there, too. Are they known to cut live feeds? I mean, I'm, I suppose that they would, right? But I suppose that they would have to be aware and conscious of it. So, you know, 
by the look of the draw, if they were meant to hear and if they were meant to see it, then they will. Uh, but that's at least what we'll be doing for now. And I did so earlier this afternoon during our um, our Lone Star News session, which was a pretty, pretty jarring and uh, um, insightful episode, if I do say so myself. Not that we were covering things that we didn't know before or things that we hadn't had uh, privy to that knowledge. But I would say for sure it was definitely fleshed out when we were talking about the rhinos, the top rhinos of the Texas government and all of the monies that they take from uh, um, their lobbyists, their interests, their pharmaceutical bosses, uh, all of that type of thing. It was uh, it was it was. It was very insightful for some of our audience members. And you know what? Even though we are in the midst of a primary battle all around this nation and including in the state of Texas, even though um, we are in the midst of wanting to ensure that Democrats, the far left, the hard left and the progressives don't get into office, it does not mean that we need to shy away from sharing the truth about what is going on in our own backyard and in our nation. Speaking of primaries, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be the topic of discussion for today. For those of you who are wondering, who are aware, man, we've got some huge primary battles happening tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what, it's going to be a humdinga. And uh, these uh, these election battles, um, for instance, uh, will really square off the America First agenda as we've seen several of the states who had America first candidates, the ones that the people wanted, the ones that the constituents voted for, the ones that the grassroots demanded in defiance of the GOP establishment parties of the state, totally sidelined, misbarreled, and otherwise left for dead, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I'm talking about the Georgia races, the Pennsylvania races, and the Colorado races those were those were i would say those were the cold the canary in the cold mine primary races in my opinion because we needed to see what was going to happen in those states in order to kind of gauge how the rest of the america first candidates would do now ultimately when someone hears a phrase like canary in the cold mine and then the america first candidates are totally buried by their GOP establishment contenders, one would think, well, Mr. C, if that canary is dead, if that canary has fallen flat on its back, it does not bode well for the America First candidates in the rest of this nation in their primaries, to which I would respond, that may not be entirely the perspective I'm leaning on, because after all, as we've seen in Georgia, as we've seen in Colorado, specifically in the uh, Tina Peters Secretary of State race, the Jody Heiss Secretary of State race, and of course, when we're also talking about the governor's race in Georgia, and let's not forget about the Mahmet Oz and the David McCormick and the, I'm going to say it, Kathy Barnett race, ladies and gentlemen. Fraud abounded, okay? Election theft abounded. And with that in mind, that canary in the cold mine was not a measure of whether our candidates would win. That canary in the cold mine, gold mine, coal mine, <laughs> was actually a measure of whether or not they would succeed at stealing another election in the year 2022, ladies and gentlemen. And they did, they have, and they will. 
So when we're looking forward to tomorrow's primaries in such pending states as Arizona and Michigan, ladies and gentlemen, we have to ask ourselves another question. If the canary goes down in this one, what would that indicate? Now, as you guys have heard me talk about in the past uh, couple of days uh, to week or two, um, I, I have every bit of confidence that they are going to try to steal the elections in Arizona and Michigan. I mean, let's face it. Uh, we have several states on the board for tomorrow. We're looking at Arizona. We're looking at Kansas. We're looking at Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, and Washington. Okay. A lot of these states are very, very important to us. You know, even the state of Ohio is itself has been a state that has been an indicator of where the nation will go in regards to whom the state of Ohio elects. And then in the state of Washington, a state that's been so bled, 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 bledly blue, ladies and gentlemen, by the progressive and the hard left, we're looking at a possible turnaround, ladies and gentlemen, Wherein uh, is Washington going to go purple on the way to red? Because uh, I have it on good insights that Washington is a deep red state, just like California, ladies and gentlemen. But it is the leadership and it is the large cities that are keeping it within the blue confines. So we have a lot looking and resting on tomorrow. Uh, but I think the biggest question here will be for us, will they succeed at stealing the vote. Now, I believe personally, for example, in states like Arizona and Michigan, that if they actually try to steal this election, and we know that they are, okay, because tonight's episode, we're going to be doing a, a hard look into what's happening with Michigan, right? But if we, uh, if, if they try and they do steal this election, I have a hard belief that there will be enough citizens that will show up to totally flummox that vote and totally flummox the theft. Now, we'll have to see how it plays out tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow is going to be a very, very, very anxious day for someone like myself. Um, even more anxious than the Texas primaries, because, you know, while I was pretty sure that they were going to steal um, you know, it's hard to come by the evidence like you do find in states like Georgia, for example, in Colorado, um, where the uh, vote was so outright and so obnoxiously in your face stolen, you had no choice but to acknowledge the theft. Whereas in the state of Texas, where you can't tell uh, how many people, in fact, were voting for Abbott or for um, uh, for retired uh, General uh, Lieutenant General for Alan West? Excuse me, my tongue got twisted there. <clears throat> um, or for um, Chad Prather or for uh, Don Huffines, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the numbers, I think, for the Texas primary were inflated enough to give a hint of evidence that we were actually looking at that we are actually looking at um, uh, some type of theft, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, the work into that 
is uh, is a lot different than what you're looking at in states like Colorado or states like um, Georgia, where you already have on the ground hard look recounts happening in Georgia the day of the primary that showed the uh, the fraud and showed the the discrepancy that was it was obvious fraud. And then of course what we saw happen to Tina Peters in Colorado was just astounding. Okay, it was just astounding. But um, if enough voters show up tomorrow in a state such as Michigan and such as Arizona, and for some reason, I have a feeling Arizona is going to turn out hard, ladies and gentlemen, um, we'll see our America First candidates win. Now, here's the other thing that I'm thinking about in this regard. If we think about the states like Virginia and New Jersey, when they were having their governor's race, ladies and gentlemen, um, we saw Virginia turn red in a wave that we were expecting, but we're still quite, quite giddy to see. And we saw New Jersey totally, totally disappoint every single constituent of that state because New Jersey knew, ladies and gentlemen, that their governor, okay, was on the way out and yet somehow managed to stay in. Now, I would submit to you, as I said, on election night and the day after with Virginia and with New Jersey, that New Jersey was sacrificed so that, um, I apologize, Virginia was sacrificed by the deep state so that they may maintain New Jersey. In fact, I believe that Virginia was sacrificed by the deep state so that this way they could perform their election rigging and shenanigans in all the other states while everyone was focused on the big win. And I can imagine something like this happening tomorrow. I don't know what state the deep state would sacrifice. I think they would be smart to sacrifice Arizona in order to capture Michigan. And in fact, I think that might very well be, I think that might very well be the, the, uh, the battle plan. Uh, because between Arizona and Michigan, well, they need to keep Michigan I mean, don't get me wrong. They need Arizona because of every single uh, bit of liberty that will come out of that state when uh, the likes of Carrie Lake um, are elected as governor. And uh, we have also, um, who else do we got? We also got Mark Fincham elected as, sec as secretary of state. Uh, we'll have Wendy Rogers being elected to the newly formed senatorial district over there. And, and the many other um, election integrity America First candidates in Arizona. Now, they really do need Arizona, you know what I mean? But something tells me when you're talking about Michigan and you are talking about the witches three, that's right, wretched Gretchen Whitmer, wretched Jen Jocelyn Benson, and wretched Dana Nacelle, they need to maintain Michigan. So Michigan might be a big upset tomorrow, Okay. Uh, but uh, I'm not I am not breathing that into existence, ladies and gentlemen. I am merely um, I am merely expressing um, a thought that keeps on pervading in my mind. And hopefully it does not come to pass. Of course, we've got Kansas, Missouri, Ohio and Washington also all on the board. So those will be interesting races. Uh, you know, Washington actually does have several candidates who have been endorsed by President Trump. 
And then, of course, in Missouri, well, that's going to be another a battle to look at between uh, Eric Greitens and Eric Schmidt for governor. But we'll get into that in just a little bit before we jump into Michigan. And before we jump into the rest of today's C-Report, let's go ahead and give a quick hello to uh, some of the friends out there across the interwebs. Um, a gun is like a parachute. If you need one and don't have one, you'll probably probably never need one again. Oh, yeah. Well, very, very wise words, Mr. or Mrs. Mez. I'm sorry, I don't remember what you are. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And interesting enough, guns are not the topic of conversation for today, but they are uh, they are insightful and wise words nonetheless. Sean Joe, good evening. Thank you for gifting the cookie. Welcome into the show. Um, did Trump just endorse Eric Greitens? Did he, did he put a G on the name of that, uh, of that endorsement, uh, Sean Joe? Well, you know, we all knew he was going to endorse Eric Greitens, but, um, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Cause, uh, Sean and Sean Joe and I, we, we have a respectful disagreement on our stance against Greitens or for Greitens for and or against Greitens, right? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I will concede this, Sean Joe. I will concede this. Eric Greitens will be a hell of a lot better than Eric Schmidt. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see here. Sean Joe also says Trump won every state. The steal was that big. I believe, I believe he won 45 states. What do you say about that? <laughs> I, you know, I don't think he took New York. Um, I don't, I mean, he could have, but I don't see him taking New York. I think he took California. That's for dang sure. You know, uh, but, uh, but I'll stick with 45 states and uh, Sean Joe says 50. I say 45. I don't know. Do you think he took Hawaii? I don't know. I don't know if he took Hawaii or not, but you know, I don't know enough Hawaiians or Hawaiians uh, to know whether or not that could be the case. But, you know, just that it's just like, New York, right? And maybe Delaware. Uh, but you know, even that, and that's only because uh illegitimate Joe hails from Delaware. But uh he may have, he may have, and who knows? Once we get to the bottom of this, we'll find out who's on top and we'll find out that he did in fact win every single state. But I would put my number on 45. 40 he's he won 45 of 50 states. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see what else we got here. Good evening, Casual GG. Good to see you. Have a good. I hope you're having a good evening tonight. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sean Joe says Trump was winning Virginia bigly until a couple of 3 a.m. 300,000 ballot drop. Now, you see, that's the funny thing about Virginia, Sean Joe. Uh, are you talking, you're talking, well, obviously you're talking about um, the 2020 November 3. Um I recall, as I recall, because I was actually participating in a live stream election day coverage event that day. I did a, God, how many hours did we do? We did like a, a marathon that day. It was myself when I was hanging out over at the Q&A holes. We did a cover, we covered Newsday. And I clearly remember, I clearly remember Fox News calling Virginia like when it was at two or 3% reporting like shortly after the polls closed. Of course, I don't know that that footage still exists. I've been told it was all, uh, uh, it was all erased, uh, but uh, does anyone still have like a, a copy of election night 2020? You know, I mean, someone, someone uh, debunk this uh, memory that I have, or perhaps it was another timeline that I was in. 
Uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, where in Virginia was called like at 3% reporting and they said it went to the Democrats or it went to Biden, I should say. So yeah, very, very interesting. I don't remember anything about a 300,000 ballot drop happening in Virginia because we actually covered Virginia not too long. Well, actually much farther after November 3, but sometime between uh, now and then, did we did a show on Virginia and uh, what it was, it was the two college counties where the two big colleges are in Virginia. That's where they saw a lot of skewed numbers. They had a lot of um, absentee ballots that were just like, why did we have this going on? Why did we have the schools open? Why are why do we have the people? Why do we have maximum capacity dormitories voting when everyone was home for COVID? You know what I mean? And, and it was a bunch of stuff like that that I saw. Um, I don't recall a mentioning of 300,000 ballot drops. But however, Sean Joe, if you have information like that, if you have any links or if you have any stories, please um, um, please direct message me through Pilled or drop a link in the chat because I would like to retain that information and archive it for future reference if you don't mind, sir. So absolutely. If any of you all have any type of election integrity news, election fraud news that I do not cover here at the C-Report, Please, 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 please make sure that you send it to me if you're over at pill.net or the foxhole.app because while I have my eyes on a lot of this information, I cannot see everything. Please direct message me through pilled or through foxhole.app um, or uh, go over to the creport.com and um, contact me through the mailing list or I'm at the creport at protonmail.com. And I absolutely would love it. And I would absolutely be totally grateful if you guys can get me stories that I don't see because I am working on a massive archive of voter um, fraud and election integrity. And I would love to include every single piece of information that I can in that. You know, it's kind of like the, uh, the California story that not many people know about or have ever heard about. And we reported on this months and months ago uh, it was at UCLA, um, not Berkeley, Santa Santa Barbara. I think it's UCLA, Santa Barbara, where uh, the same kind of thing with the college towns and the dorms was happening. Okay. Big, 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 big story. That story could have broken California wide open because there were zero students on campus, but every single dormitory reported electing, um, voting on that in that election. And the only reason it got nowhere is because no jurisdiction in that area wanted to accept responsibility for it. They kicked it from the campus police to the city police, to the state police, to the state AG, back to the campus police, and no one picked it up and it died. Okay. No one picked it up and it died, but that story probably would have really opened the door into some type of um, uh, genuine and, uh, you know, actual, uh, election audit or investigation that could have actually, you know, brought out some type of information worth use, ladies and gentlemen. So very, very interesting that. Okay, so Sean Joe says Virginia Integrity Groups brought a lot of evidence to Yunkin and he did squat. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you guys. Now, people have said this about Glenn Youngkin in the past, and I know I've heard about a lot of his business dealings. I'm sure you've even mentioned it in the past as well, Sean Joe, but uh, let's just play it once this episode for old time's sake. That is the Patriots rhino hunting season call, ladies and gentlemen. Rhino hunting season. It's the rhino alert. 
Now, that, Sean Joe, I have to say, and I'm sure you'll agree, is the perfect example of the, uh, the um, professionally duplicitous rhino. Okay, because they will tell you one thing and do everything that you know to be true, good, accurate, and correct. Right? Okay, they will. Um, they will uh, be against a critical race theory. They will be against. Uh, they'll be against gender. Um, um, uh, gender changing for children. You know, they'll be against. Uh, you know, uh, boys playing on girls' teams in sports. They will be all about election integrity in in mouth only. You know, they will be anti-abortion. They will tell you. Everything everything that you want to hear, but when it comes to the most crucialist of evidences, that is when they're nowhere to be seen, okay? So we have to be strong on that point. Another great example would be, you know, General Vallely. You know, I'm going to say it again. General Vallely, because, you know, you know what I find very interesting about the case of General Vallely? And for those of you who think I don't have the sauce. Oh, the episode's coming, ladies and gentlemen. I just kind of needed to see where everyone stood on the opinion. Uh, but um, when you have someone who is assisting regime change in the Middle East and trying to overthrow a sovereign nation, when you have someone who is psyoping for the Tea Party and then destroying it by making them look like violent right-wing extremists, when you have someone who is assisting a known Satanist in getting acquitted from, uh, from um, uh, legal proceedings due to his involvement with child sex trafficking and child abuse, abuse. And yet you call this man a hero? General Vallely, I'm talking about the same General Vallely, ladies and gentlemen, that I've been talking about for months now. Uh, he's getting, he is getting a, he is getting a public relations facelift right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's getting a public relations facelift in order to fool you all into believing he's still a good guy. Now, how could this be happening when there's only one person in this movement who is decrying the name of General Valley? And that is me, Mr. C. Okay. One person, but yet in the Epoch Times, he got a facelift there. Actually, I think the Epoch Times gave him two facelifts, if I'm not mistaken. So that, that makes me wonder what's going on with the Epoch Times. They are so good about doing their research. Why can't they find this evidence about General Vallely as quickly as I found it? It didn't take that long to find this information about him. It did take a little bit more digging to get into some of the Tea Party information. And it took a little bit more digging to get into the Free Syrian Army training radical terrorist organizing organizations to overthrow um, um, Assad, um, um, the president of Syria, um, al-Assad. So I, I just don't, I don't understand it, but he's getting a massive facelift for Patriots. If you're an Epoch Times reader, they ran a story a couple of weeks ago that talked about how he was against abortions. Uh, and really the article was about uh, how the military and the federal spending and abortions and how all that interplays, okay? Any retired general, they could have selected any retired general to say, I'm a retired general and I object to abortions in our military. Any retired general, but why General Vallelie, huh? And now there's some new article from him on Epoch Times that's just talking about how General Vallelie is so great, blah, 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 ladies and gentlemen. 
That's all I've got to say about that. But there you go. There you go. So General Vallely will be like, the Clintons need to go to jail. Uh, Obama needs to go to jail. Uh, there needs to be election integrity. Uh, there need, We can't have abortions in our military. Every single thing he says just makes a patriot's heart grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we forget that he is like the master and the commander of the psychological operations in this nation. And that he's been involved in running psyops against the people as well. Okay, so I don't understand why people don't get that, but it is what it is. Okay, we'll just, these are the examples of the rhinos. Okay, the rhinos. And I'd heard a lot of bad stuff about Yunkin in the past, but he's not my governor. You know, he's not my governor. And there just was not enough gravy on the train uh, to pick up a solid story. At least none that I came across. Anyhow. Uh, let's get back into focusing on what is at hand here. Railanon, good evening, sir. Thank you for the 117 gold pills. Good to see you, my friend. Sean Joe, thank you again for yet another cookie. And Railanon is given a cookie today, too. Appreciate you, sir. Justice Song, hello there. Thanks for stopping in. Absolutely. Um, okay, so Bannon read the endorsement. Well, I got an endorsement letter here too, but there's no Greitens in there. Uh, it just says Eric. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute when we go through our President Trump statements. Absolutely. Sean Joe says, yes, I am in New, I am in New Jersey from New York. He won New Jersey and New York. But the political machines are that crooked and powerful. Sean Joe, you're in New Jersey. I expect a full report next Monday on your voting machines and how they shut down voting machines from precincts. They put them in a warehouse. They call the winner of the election. And then two weeks later, the judge allows people to get the data from the voting machines. All right. I expect that report on my desk by 3 p.m. Central Time next Monday. Okay. All right, sir. <laughs> I'm looking for people from New Jersey. We ran this story where they, they they said on TV, the guy's like, oh, no, well, we always shut down our precincts and, uh, well, you know, they shut down some of the machines, right? But he was like, it, it's common. It's common practice for us to put our machines in a warehouse for about two to three weeks. The only way that you can get access to them is by getting a judge's approval. A judge has to approve you getting the information from the machines, which are in the warehouse. And the machines do not get any type of access for like two to three weeks after the election after they've called the winner okay we ran that story months ago so uh come on new jersey because that could be your ticket right there you know because that's highly irregular the only way that they found out about that happening is because so many people turned out to vote against uh the mayor i mean the mayor the the governor of new jersey um, that they had to shut down multiple precincts and multiple machines in multiple precincts, which was highly unusual before they take like maybe one or two here or there. But the people turned out so hard to vote against that governor, okay, Murphy, that uh, they had to they had to shut down dozens, which alerted the news crews, which alerted the people, which gave them a news story. And then they found out that these machines get warehoused for a few weeks and they're not accessed until after the election by a few weeks. I mean, uh, come on, come on. You want to talk about a smoking gun? You want to get your elections fixed in New Jersey? I would say that's a ticket no one's looking at. So, all right, Chanjo, can't wait to get that report, okay? <laughs> Ooh, the pressure, right? 
Uh, Sean Joe says the Gateway Pundit published that article on Virginia Today. Ooh, man, they must have published that just recently because I was just looking at the website over there. Thank you for all of that information, Sean Joe. I appreciate you. Much love, my brother. Much love. Okay, and let's see here. The Virginia Congresswoman Spangberger. Spanberger, any relationship to Rattenberger? <laughs> was losing and they found a thumb drive with over 16,000 votes to give her the win. Wowzers. Wowzers. Uh, can someone fill me in on the topic of tonight? Hey, Timajet, here's the topic of the discussion. Sorry, I'm 10 minutes late on the question. Uh, talking about uh, primaries for tomorrow. Uh, and uh, tonight we're going to have a focus on Michigan. Okay. Focus on Michigan. Cause I really do feel like they are going to steal that state for sure. I, you know, I feel like they have I feel like they have lost all hope in stealing Arizona and they might give Arizona the win. So this way we're distracted from the steal in Michigan. That's what I feel. Either that or it could be vice versa. But I have a feeling that if they gave if they let Michigan stand and they stole Arizona, they would lose both of them. So I think for their strategy purposes, it would be better for them to give us Arizona so they can take Michigan. And that's exactly what I see happening for tomorrow. I don't like to say it because uh, Arizona and Michigan, they are both near and dear to my heart. I've grown very fond of these states over the last year and a half to two years of covering these election theft, fraud, and integrity stories just the people, the lives, the characters, the fights, you know, the disappointments, the tragedies, the triumphs, the victories, they have just, they have just integrated into my DNA. And I just love both of those states and the people for them. And these brave and bold um, 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 citizens of each state that are standing up for election integrity, I just, I can't bear to see either of them lose. But I have a feeling they're going to take Michigan and they're going to sacrifice Arizona, ladies and gentlemen. And that is just the feeling. That's why when I was like playing this, uh, the, the President Trump um, intro here, man, it just it gets to me sometimes because uh, it's been a long and hard road. It's been a fruitful and rewarding road. It's been a road for sure that has paved a bunch of tracks of wisdom and insight for us, ladies and gentlemen, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a struggle. But you know what they say, you have to go through it sometimes to get through it. If you know what I mean, you have to go through it to get to it also. All right. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got in the chat room? Timbajet is saying Yunkin is a rat. We've got a confluence of agreements between Timbajet and Sean Joe, which is wonderful. Uh, Timbajet says, who is funding you? That says it all. Yeah, you know what, Timbajet? When you're right, you're right. And that is exactly right, my friend. Hey, Sonia C., it's good to see you. So glad you're seeing, uh, you're getting to stop in daytime. Uh, it's always wonderful to see you in the audience. And uh, let's see here. Aha! Uh -huh. um, let's see here. What do we got? What does Timbajet say here now? Timbajet says, I can't believe Roni Romney. No, 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 no. It's Romney McDaniels. Okay. I, I saw the Gateway Pundit called her Romney McDaniels today. And I was like, I read your paper every day for the last two years. You never called her that before, but we sure did over here at the Sea Report. Anyways. Okay. I know, I know, I know. Anyways. Okay. Uh, he says, uh, I can't believe Romney McDaniels is still in charge of the RNC. I know. I know. I feel the same way, Timbajet. You know what? Is it because we're not doing our job or what like how does that even work she stole millions that we donated for stopping the steal 
too true, too true. Do not donate to the RNC or the Republican Party as a whole. Tim Bajet, thank you for saying that. I could not agree with you more. We all need to personally donate to the candidates of our choice, be they President Trump, be they Christina Caramo, be they Carrie Lake. We need to vote to, we need to donate to their specific campaigns, ladies and gentlemen. Here, here, Tim Bajet, here, here. I 100,000% agree with that sentiment, and I hope that everyone takes that to heart. Uh, D Patriot 1776, I know, is also from New Jersey, Sean Joe. <laughs> I know, but she's a lady. <laughs> Sean Joe says, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and uh, was that Massachusetts? Have those old school damn hoodlums. They sure do. Romney's family is all in with the Amish mafia in Mexico. I had no idea there were Mexican Amish people. What do they call them? The Amish O? <laughs> Just kidding. I've never heard of them before. Which is the Mormon? Oh, the Mormon mafia in the Western. <laughs> In the Western United, but the Amish aren't polygamists, are they? Anyways, actually, you know what? That's not even a question we should be entertaining at this time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 007, Michigan's in the house. All right, welcome on in, Michigan. We'll be talking about your state tonight. You've got an important day for you tomorrow. I hope you saved your vote for tomorrow, by the way. Hey, it's Vinny1765 donating the shades. Okay, we got him this time, guys. All right. Thank you for gifting the shades here over at the Sea Report. Much appreciated, Vinny. I appreciate your generosity. Okay. I already busted. I can't wear them for much longer than that because then I can't see what I'm looking at. And then uh, let's see here. Uh, Sean Joe to close up this chat session for the moment says, you even had the Amish doing horse and buggy parades for Trump in Pennsylvania. That's what I said, Sean Joe. I said, when you see the Amish coming down from the mountain in their horses and buggies with Trump flags waving, you know, you know Trump won that election. Ladies and gentlemen, the Amish don't come down for nothing. You know, it's like, what did they vote with? Like a, a parchment and a, quint, a quill pen or what? Like, how does that work? Anyways, that's not the point. The point of the matter here is if the Amish are voting for him, he probably won Ladies and gentlemen, great, 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 great conversation to start off today's show as we get into uh, a focus on Michigan primaries for manana. That's uh, that's that's Mexican for tomorrow. <laughs> Just kidding. It's Spanish for tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and take a look at our President's Trump statements. Trump leads here at the Sea Report. And uh, we've got a handful coming at you today. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start here. And, you know, this is the kind of a statement that just, you know, it tickles my funny bone and it uh, it lightens my heart. It says here, <clears throat> Robin Voss is so bad for the great state of Wisconsin that I am seriously thinking of supporting and endorsing his opponent. Anyone would be better. Stay tuned. Oh, goodness. You know, I don't know how to say it. I am but a speck of dirt in this universe, ladies and gentlemen. But when President Trump starts getting in on the people that have been reported against for so long for being rhinos, for being uh, duplicitous, for being two-faced, and particularly with he himself, 
I just got to ask what took so long. No, just kidding. <laughs> we all know that there's strategy involved in all of this stuff. There's strategy involved in all of this stuff. But sometimes, you know, you do want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And, and, you know, a good boss will do that. A good boss will absolutely give his subordinates the benefit of the doubt, some more than others, you know. But when it gets down to it, the evidence against Robin Voss was just so grand, ladies and gentlemen, so grand. It was like, when is President Trump going to make a statement in regards to that situation? Well, he finally has. And uh, it's great. It's great. In fact, he gave us two today. Okay, <laughs> so let's take a look at the second one. Second statement from President Trump in regards to Robin Voss. It says, and Robin Voss is only getting worse. Wants toll booths put on many highways and a big gas tax ASAP. He is a rhino disaster. Very much as the worst politician in the nation. Give away Mitch Cocaine Mitch McConnell. He gives away everything but that cocaine who gives the Dems everything but the cocaine and gets nothing for it, never fights for Republicans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people will be voting against Voss on Tuesday. Wisconsin's not tomorrow, is it? No, 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 no. Okay, if any of you guys know Wisconsin's primary, pop it in the chat room unless I find it before you first. I did not see them on the list for tomorrow. Uh, so let's see, Wisconsin primary date. Okay. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Where are you at, Wisconsin? Okay, they're August. Uh, they're August 9th. Okay, so they're they're next Tuesday. Okay, woo, 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 woo. I was like, oh my goodness, we don't have Wisconsin on the board. Okay, yeah, so we have Wisconsin having their primary next week. That's going to be another big one, guys, because let's not forget, Wisconsin is the state closest to decertification at this point. Wisconsin, once again, is the state closest to decertification. All right, let's take a look at our next President Trump statement. We will jump out of um, the uh, we'll jump out of heckling Robin Voss for just a moment, and uh, we'll jump on to heckling uh, Joe Biden. How's that sound? Okay, it says here in this statement, Joe Biden's second bout of COVID, sometimes referred to as the China virus. That's right, YouTube. I said it. COVID-19 is a sham. It's a fake. It's a fraud. It's a phony. And I wish I never laid eyes on it. We're live on YouTube right now, right? Hey, YouTube, the 2020 elections were stolen, YouTube. The 2020 elections were stolen. Election fraud, YouTube. Joe Biden is illegitimate. Okay. Oh, wait, the one person watching me over at YouTube is going to go and report my channel. They're probably going to shut the whole thing down. Not even just the live stream, but the channel as well. Anyways. Okay. Let's continue. All right. So Joe Biden's second bout of COVID-19, the fake and genuinely manufactured disease, sometimes referred to as the China virus, was sadly misdiagnosed by his doctors. Now, for all of those who would uh, later on try and turn this on Trump, I inserted fake and genuinely manufactured disease in that statement, just so you know. Uh, 
President Trump continues, he instead has dementia, but is happily recovering well. Joe is thinking of moving part-time to one of those beautiful Wisconsin nursing homes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Joe is thinking of moving part-time to one of those beautiful Wisconsin nursing homes where almost 100% of the residents miraculously voted and for the first time in history had the strength and energy to vote, even if those votes were cast illegally. Well, get well soon, Joe. Oh, man. You know, that's kind of a burn, guys. He should have said, he should have said, he should have said, Joe is thinking of moving part-time to one of those beautiful Wisconsin nursing homes where almost 100% of the residents miraculously voted for him, the only place on earth where he would be welcomed with arms opened. 100%. <laughs> that is too much, ladies and gentlemen. What did I say? What did I say? Oh, it's eight. And I was like, what did I say? Everyone's leaving. Anyways. Uh, so that's funny, guys. That is funny. Wow. That's, uh, that is a little bit of a burn there. <laughs> that's a little bit of a burn, but that is hilarious nonetheless. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's open up this next statement here. Dang. What, where are we at in the show over here? Let me see real quick. I'm curious. I, I just lost six viewers, uh, who, who, who just went on at Foxhole, right? <laughs> It doesn't matter. All right. Uh, the ones who are here are beautiful souls. Okay. So January 6th is her and Nancy's fault. No, I'm not kidding, as Joe Biden would say. And that's in uh, response to one of his own uh, his own troops. The mayor of Washington, D.C. wants the National Guard to help him with thousands of illegal immigrants. Oh, to help with the thousands of illegal immigrants coming from the insane open border that are flooding the city, but refused National Guard help when it came to providing security at the Capitol building. Yeah, yeah, January 6th was her and Nancy's fault, that's for sure. And uh, let's see here, we got another statement. Um, uh, because, she, okay, <laughs> let's read, the, let's read this, the truth that he's responding to in this truth. Why is Nancy Pelosi getting involved with China and Taiwan other than to make trouble and more money, possibly involving insider trading and information for her cheating husband? OK, so his answer to that is because she's lonely. <laughs> it's because she's lonely and uh, she's crazy as a bed bug. She needs to be away from home, especially at this moment even if it starts World War III. Well, you know, there are a lot of crazy, lonely women out there, but uh, unfortunately, they don't all always get, get, get to get away to uh, Asia. Uh, maybe it would do them better. Maybe, maybe it'll do Nancy good to be away from America for a little bit, and at the expense of costing uh, a, a, world, a third world war, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's see here. Another statement. Uh, wow, the tax increase for middle income families in new Democrat bill is staggering. We are in a recession. This is no time to raise taxes. U.S. manufacturers will flee and quickly. Ah, yep. Yep. You heard about that tax bill, right? They're going to raise taxes. This is going to be crazy. This is going to be crazy, guys. All right, I think this is our last statement for Trump, and it says here, remember, Arizona, your so-called speaker, Rusty Buckethead Bowers, 
an appropriate name because he is rusty, just like steel gets rusty and weak. Rusty Buckethead Bowers is absolutely terrible. He is weak and wrong on everything, including your horrible open border and pathetic election counting. Vote him out. All right. That's for all our friends over there in Arizona, because uh, let's uh, face it. Tomorrow's going to be a big day, guys. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. I don't know if I'm going to get any sleep tonight, and that's not good. I Well, you know, I actually did get some pretty good rest the last two days, but who boy. I just, I don't know. We'll see how tomorrow goes. We'll see how tomorrow goes. Okay, we do have one last statement coming in from President Trump. Now, Sean Joe, stop me if you've heard this one. <laughs> no, actually, uh, this is a statement that uh, President Trump released endorsing Eric. Uh, but you know what? Actually, I could probably demystify this for myself real quick. Let's go ahead and pull this open here. And we'll figure it out. Okay. I see. Oh, my goodness. There's a new Michigan story just came out. Okay, 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 okay. So uh, just just a quick glance over some of our stories, uh, some of which I've already seen for the day. Okay. So it, it holds Eric, I mean, Eric, sorry, it holds Sean Joe, it holds. President Trump has indeed endorsed Eric, but he did not specify if it was Eric Greitens or Eric Schmidt. Now, let me make sure this article says the same thing. Trump endorses Eric. <laughs> I mean, we all know it's Eric Greitens, right, guys? We all know it's Eric Greitens. So I, I can see the technicality of the point. Uh, but for uh, but for the sake of language, let's go ahead and see what President Trump said in this statement. How about that? Okay. So here's a Missouri Senate endorsement. What does it say here, ladies and gentlemen? Let me go ahead and get this bigger and better and bolder for you. I'll take myself out of the picture, too. It says there is a big election in the great state of Missouri, and we must send a Make America Great Again champion and true warrior to the U.S. Senate. Someone who will fight for border security, election integrity, uh, someone um, who will fight for our military and great veterans together with having a powerful toughness on crime and the border. We need a person who will not back down to the radical left lunatics who are destroying our country. I trust the great people of Missouri on this one to make up their own minds, much as they did when they gave me landslide victories in 2016 and 2020 elections. And I am therefore proud to announce that Eric has my complete and total endorsement. <laughs> Gotta love it, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to keep you all on the edge of your seat, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to keep you all on the edge of your seat. Um, we'll see. We all know he's talking about Greitens. Ain't no way he's talking about Schmidt. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that's going to be a fun one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okie dokie. Timbajet says, we have Amish up here in Washington, and they drive cars and have beards. The women make all their own dresses. 
Uh, and uh, let's see here. Uh, did they vote for Trump? I wonder. Um, I wonder. But Washington, you got a very important day in front of you tomorrow, Timberjet. And uh, please do accept my humble apologies for not co being not covering your state as much as I would prefer to <clears throat> in regards to primaries and America First candidates and the likes and election integrity efforts and election fraud exposés. Uh, there's just so much information out there, ladies and gentlemen, so much information. Justice Song says, uh, the present love your show. Oh, thank you, Justice Song. I love you guys too. Thank you so much. Y'all make me feel nice and warm and toasty inside. And uh, it says here, I bet your guess is the same as mine, what they're going to do with the 80,000 IRS agents they want to hire. <sighs> they're going to send them after all the patriots? <laughs> Who's there's no telling, you know what? They need to pass that. Who is who is the uh, who is the representative that uh, did that bill to defund or no, not to defund to de arm the IRS? Was that Gates that did that? I cannot remember. I had that story I was going to share with you guys some time ago, never was able to. Um, it's probably still in my tabs somewhere, if I'm being absolutely honest with you. All right, that was our final statement from President Trump today. Why don't you guys study the course of his penmanship? While I reboot my time, I got to reset my clock here real quick. As we get into tonight's show, we're already at the top of the first hour. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pill.net. Wow, Mr. C. Wow. Okay. I don't know what's going on with Mr. C today, but at least the clock is going now. Okay. All right. It's just... That sound quality, guys, so important for podcast listeners. You know, it's so important. All right. So as I said at the onset of the show, we have a lot of primaries coming up tomorrow. A lot of them are crucial. We'll be looking at Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, and Washington. You know, if this were a totally fair and free election... I would absolutely say that uh, we would really be able to test the muster of our America First candidates and see how they stack up against the establishment candidates. But it's not a fair and free election. It will not be a fair and free election until we get to the bottom of 2020. You know, it's like I always like to say, I don't, uh, you know, I will get to the bottom of this. I don't care who's on top. But definitely it's something that needs to be done. It needs to happen. Uh, we cannot have any confidence or faith in our elections until that has been taken care of. I'm sure greater America will agree, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure absolutely um, greater America would agree. Um, so when we're talking about... Um, States like Arizona and Michigan, as I kind of did in my open today, um, you know, these are these are states where we have 
some of the most uh, the strongest and the most fervent America First candidates. You know, looking across the board to people like Wendy Rogers, Sonny Borelli, Carrie Lake, uh, you know, um, Mark Fincham, Christina Cramo, Matt DiPerno, uh, and the likes. Uh, these are these are people who have been central to the narrative of America First election integrity and exposing the theft and the fraud of the 2020 election and also of decertifying or recalling the electors from these states where that massive fraud occurred. Now, as I said, you know, my C-Cent says they're going to pull a Virginia, New Jersey. They're going to sacrifice a state to keep a state. And I really feel like Michigan is going to be that state to keep. And they're going to lose Arizona is what I am feeling. So tonight's focus heading into tomorrow's primary for Michigan is indeed Michigan, ladies and gentlemen. And it's not that I don't think enough people will turn out to vote in Michigan. It's just that state is so corrupt. You know, you talk about the shenanigans that Secretary of Snakes, Katie Hobbs, uh, what she did in order to thwart election law in her state. Now, imagine if Katie Hobbs also had on her side the governor and the attorney general, right? Just like who? Who has that trifecta of, of, uh, of treasonous strength on their side? Well, wretched Gretchen Whitmer does. She has her weird sisters three, wretched Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of Snakes, and wretched Dana Nassell, who is the current attorney general over there in Michigan. So uh, that's why, because, uh, you know, these three witches, these three witches, the weird sisters three, they have put their neck on the line for the globalist interest so much and so hard and so prevalently that they have to absolutely protect Michigan. If Michigan goes down, if Michigan is taken by the Patriots, they may lose the entire ball game, ladies and gentlemen, because this state is so corrupt in everything that they do. They project righteousness in every act of lawlessness that they commit. Just think about the things that like Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of Snakes does when she's still, she is still handing out all types of advice and guidance on elections and what to accept and what not to accept and who does this and who does that and who reports to this and who and who can't report and every bit of guidance that she is giving out has absolutely no written law in Michigan per their state's constitution or election law, ladies and gentlemen. And I will, we will get into that information in a little bit because uh, we're going to broadcast um, a, a press conference that uh, America First candidate Secretary of State um, Christina Caramo actually held today at 10 a.m. in the morning. <clears throat> it was a press conference. It was all about some new information that had come out, wherein basically Jocelyn Benson has given new guidance ahead of the primaries to all of her county clerks and all of her election officials. And guess what? Her guidance has nothing to do with what is written in election law. But I guess, you know, Jocelyn Benson feels like, hey, I'm the secretary of state. I'm the one in charge of elections. So who cares what the job of the state legislature is? Who care who's supposed to be responsible per our constitution for state election law? She thinks it is her.
She is going against the law. So we'll take a look at that in just a minute. But first, let's talk about the woman on the screen, ladies and gentlemen. This is the President Trump-endorsed, rhino-adored Tudor Dixon, ladies and gentlemen, who is running for governor against wretched Gretchen Whitmer. But, you know, the question here would be is, who would be worse, Wretched Gretchen or Tudor Dixon? Well, you know what? I would take Tudor Dixon over Wretched Gretchen any day of the week. You know, and while there's a lot of argument about what side of the line Tudor Dixon will eventually fall under if she is elected, for example, will she toe the line as a Trump-endorsed America first, make America great again candidate, or will she fall to the wayside and become the rhino that everyone is already proclaiming her to be? Well, I would say in this instance, maybe President Trump is uh, following that old adage, which is, you know, I trust people to keep themselves at 100%, and if they don't, that's on them, and then they lose that trust. Snip, snip, it's gone, right? So maybe, maybe that's, uh, that's, again, a good boss will always give their subordinates the benefit of doubt, okay? They will always do it. They will always look for the best in them. They will always have the faith in them until they've shown the boss that he has a reason not to trust them. So let's hope that this is part of the strategy. Let's hope that even though every single rhino in the state of Michigan has propped this woman up, has funded her campaigns, okay, and has endorsed her, and I said rhinos in the state of Michigan as far as endorsements. You guys know I'm not talking about President Trump. He's not from Michigan, right? Okay, so um, that maybe she will end up just blowing it back in their face, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, she looks like wretched Gretchen Whitmer to me, you know, so I'd kind of be like, woo! Wretched Gretchen Whitmer. But, you know, she could end up being a big old fat thorn in their side. You know, she could end up being a big old fat thorn in their side. But the question here is, <clears throat> has Trump endorsed Tudor Dixon already went gone soft on the 2020 election fraud? Oh, that could be uh, that could be consequential. If you ask me, let's take a look at this article. It's coming to us out of a uh, it's coming to us out of a legacy media news report. Take it with a grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot of these coming up in tonight's broadcast. Now, the article says in Michigan's jam packed Republican primary fight for governor, uh, President Donald Trump is trying to tip the scales. Just days before the Tuesday primary, Trump threw his support behind Tudor Dixon, a conservative commentator who has coalesced support from prominent Republicans in the state, even as she beats back criticism that she's an establishment candidate who is not Make America Great Again MAGA, enough to inspire the GOP base. The Mitten states, you know, I had no idea that Michigan was known as the Mitten state. Did Romney buy it or what? Just kidding. Mittens, Romney. Ha ha ha. The Mitten state's prolonged, often bitter Republican primary saw a handful of candidates disqualified from the ballot, while another, still in the race, was arrested for his alleged participation in the January 6, 2021 false flag riot. 
Dixon is up against a handful of Trumpian candidates, some of whom have fully embraced the president's lies about the 2020 election. Their words, not mine. Dixon's embrace of those falsehoods has been more tepid. In a May debate, she raised her hand and confirmed, yes, she did believe Trump won Michigan. A state, according to this newscast, says that uh, Trump lost by more than 154,000 votes. I've talked about this at length, about the 2020 election, Dixon said. It was unlike any election we had ever seen, obviously, because of the pandemic. But in Michigan, there were some things that happened in Michigan that did not happen in other states, which are very concerning. In interviews with CNN, Dixon's opponents quickly slammed her for appearing to water down her views on the 2020 election. Garrett Soldano, a chiropractor vying for the GOP nomination, panned Dixon for dodging the 2020 election question and doubled down on his support for the president. Uh, in this regards, uh, Garrett Soldano said, the election, in my humble opinion, was stolen. I'm not even endorsed by President Trump, and I still have his back. Soldano then turned his stare straight down the lens of a CNN camera, seemingly hoping to address Trump directly. Even though, sir, you did not endorse me, you are still my president, Soldano said. Businessman turned candidate Kevin Rinke also bashed Dixon for dancing around election falsehoods. Um, Rinke said she got an endorsement and within 48 hours when she was asked on national TV if the election was stolen, she changed her mind. That's what politicians do. Tudor Dixon is the Republican version of wretched Gretchen Whitmer. I'll say something. I'll do anything for position and power, he said, referring to the state's Democrat governor. Rinky did not go so far as to claim the election was stolen and acknowledge that Joe Biden is the president. Ah, well, no one's going to vote for you, Rinky. Still, he said he believes there were irregularities in 2020. I mean, if I'm being honest, guys, and again, I'm not here to influence. I'm just here for information. I probably would have voted for Soldano. But anyhow, okay, so, uh, you know, because even though I knew some of my candidates were not going to win in the Texas primaries, I still voted for them, okay? I still voted for them even if I knew they were not going to win, okay? Because you know what? Integrity. All right. Okay. So uh, it says, meantime, uh, sorry, in the meanwhile, uh, Ryan Kelly, a real estate broker in the race, has essentially turned his arrest for allegedly uh, participating in the Capitol riot into a campaign rallying cry. Look how hard these people are trying to silence me, Kelly said in a July GOP primary debate. I got arrested. I got kicked off Airbnb. He has pleaded not guilty to the misdemeanor charges he faces and has continued to falsely claim Trump won in 2020. Uh, that's the paper's words, not mine. Republican activists here have rallied behind Trump-loving election-denying candidates at an endorsement in convention earlier this year. Republicans backed Christina Caramo for Secretary of State and Matthew DiPerno for Attorney General, paving their path for official nominations later this year. If they win in November, they would be in key positions to oversee the state's elections. But the prospect of having Tudor Dixon atop the ticket has rankled some Trump supporters, particularly when it comes to her less than enthusiastic embrace of election falsehoods fueling the base. 
I think she's given lip service to President Trump and his supporters on those issues, but only when truly pushed, GOP political strategist John Yob said in an interview. President Trump still is very popular with conservative voters, so I think that his endorsement will definitely have an impact on this race, Yob said. However, it also puts things in a bit of a precarious situation with some of his supporters being left dazed and confused because they've been behind other maybe more MAGA-centric candidates. And now, all of a sudden, he's endorsed the establishment. <clears throat> Not all of a sudden, but anyways... The former president's team does not share the concern that Dixon may not be as vocal on elections, said a person close to Trump. Dixon has largely shrugged off the criticism. Dixon says, I think that's interesting because my Democrat opponents actually have a whole thing, a whole list of reasons they hate me because of the election, right? I guess it's just a campaign tactic. Dixon said she believed she could get a boost from the Trump endorsement, but declined to say whether she would back him if he runs again for president in 2024. What? <laughs> what? Are you kidding me, Tudor Dixon? Are you kidding me? Dixon says, I feel honored to get the endorsement. It feels like we're really bringing everybody in the Republican Party together. So we feel really good about how Tuesday is going to end up, but we're still fighting. I cannot believe that sick sack of Dixon. Are you serious? She wouldn't even say she would back him in 2024. Now, those are the kind of people I don't need on my team, okay? Those are the kind of people I do not need on my team or near me, okay? That is just trash, ladies and gentlemen. That is trash, okay? I, you know, if you're a two-door fan, I, 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 I apologize, but I don't, okay? <laughs> that is insane. But who are you going to vote for? Reshi Gretchen Whitmer? No. Well, you know, I mean, that's what tomorrow's all about, guys. We're going to find out, you know? I mean, trust me, in Texas... It's easy now. You're either going to vote for a rhino named Abbott or you're going to vote for a socialist named uh, Beta. Um, but the primaries, man, the primaries, gah, jeez. Somebody save us. No, right? We have to save ourselves, guys. That's what being self-governed is all about. Hello. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about Christina Caramo for Michigan State uh, Secretary of State, you know. I know, right? Sean Joe's two-door Dixon. Maybe she's two-door Dixon, like two-faced, right? Two-faced Dixon. She she uh she says one thing out of one door and she does another thing out of another door. Uh, she uh, she, uh, <laughs> she says the right things out of her front door, but she does a lot of bad things out her back door. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about Christina Caramo now, okay? This is this is one of my favorites. This is one of my big heroes. This is someone... This You want to talk about integrity? You want to talk about someone who toes the line through and through? You know, Christina Caramo was right there next to Carrie Lake. Ladies and gentlemen, during the, uh, the Arizona forensic audit, guys, Christina has been at it since November 4th, 2020. And that, well, actually, you know what? She's been at it probably since like November 7th, 2020. Because let's not forget, it was election day plus like four or five in 2020. And in the state of Michigan, she actually served as a poll worker. She was an observer. She was a poll watcher. She saw everything that happened 
in Michigan on the ground. She actually witnessed the 3 a.m. ballot dump at the TCF Center. Ladies and gentlemen, this woman right here, that's why she is running for Secretary of State because she was like, who else is gonna do it? That's actually gonna get the job done. Now I'm sure other people could have, but look, who did, who did Christina Caramo run up against to be Secretary of State? Do y'all know who? She ran up against two Republican town clerks that did everything that Jocelyn Benson wanted them to do up until the point, okay? So if Christina Caramo were not running for Secretary of State in Michigan, that state would be lost without a guiding light in a vast dark and foggy ocean, ladies and gentlemen, at night with no moon, mind you. Uh, but no, Christina Caramo has served to be a guiding lighthouse, right, for all of those in her state who are looking for relief, who are looking for someone that will honor their state and the um, national constitution, ladies and gentlemen, and that will follow the rule of law in regard to the elections. And that is exactly what Christina Caramo has been all about from day one. And that's why I have supported Christina Caramo ever since I heard her story Ladies and gentlemen, because I just knew that there was, a, there was a light inside of her that I was attracted to. I'm still attracted to this light inside of this woman, guys. And uh, that's, that's, uh, that goes the same for all of the candidates that I have seen across the board um, that, uh, that I thoroughly endorse and tell you guys their story. Mm -hmm. Carrie Lake is another one, guys. Been supporting that woman since the first day her campaign ad dropped back in the summer of last year, okay? So, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's just something about the gut. Maybe that's just something about discernment. I couldn't tell you. Uh, there was a local newscast that did actually have a uh, brief interview with Christina Caramo. I thought that it was pretty fair and square. They didn't do a bad job. They didn't, like, demon her. They didn't pick on her for any of these little points that have absolutely nothing to do with her race. So I just wanted to share that with you guys right quick, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Karamo as we get into the rest of tonight's report. I already foresee us being here in a little bit of overtime, guys, but we'll try not to go past 10 o'clock, okay? That's uh, 10 p.m. Central Texas time. Uh, in the meantime, let's go ahead and get this rolling for you guys, and I'll see you on the other side. When it comes to Secretary of State, the candidate set to challenge Democrat Jocelyn Benson in November was picked by Republicans at their convention earlier this year. Since Christina Caramo doesn't have a challenger in her own party, her attention is already focused on Benson and what she says she would do differently if elected. She also weighed in on why she thinks voters without an ID should not be able to cast a ballot just by signing an affidavit. Take a listen. What is motivating you right now to run for Secretary of State? I'm motivated because the people of Michigan are tired of an election system that is full of corruption and errors and problems, and it doesn't get resolved. And people are frankly told, oh, well, there's always issues. It's not a big deal. And we're always expected to look the other way. And control over the election system is the only way that we maintain control of our government. And when I say control, let me clarify, the people controlling the election system is the only way we maintain control of our government. And the way we control the election system is by ensuring that those running the election system 
are running the election system lawfully. Do you think um, the no request absentee ballot practice needs to go away? And then also, what's your stance on voter IDs to vote? Yes, we have to have voter ID. And here's the thing. I'm glad you asked that question. You know, people like Benson want to push back and say it's unfair to require voter ID. Well, if not enough citizens do not have IDs, then that means Jocelyn Benson is failing miserably at her job. Because it is the responsibility of the Secretary of State to issue IDs. So that is evidence in of itself we need to move Secretary of State. Because people don't just need ID to vote. You need ID to have a bank account. You need an ID to have a permanent place to live. There are so many everyday activities that are necessary for being a functioning and participating adult in this society that require you to have an ID. So if we have a large swath of our population without an ID, that alone should disqualify Jocelyn Benson from ever serving as Secretary of State again. But now when it comes to unsolicited absentee ballot applications, we cannot have that happening. The reason why it's important for people to request them is because people move, people die, all types of things happen. And so if you are just mailing out these applications unsolicited, you could be mailing them out to, end up to a home where people no longer live or are deceased. What are your qualifications to run for office? So my background is in education. I also have a master's in Christian apologetics. In our system of government, we're for the people, by the people. And being a tax-paying citizen, that qualifies me to run for office as Secretary of State. We need to have more everyday people involved in government. And so what we need are just like our founders, just like all movements throughout history, is when everyday citizens who are committed to integrity, who are committed to truth, stand up and work for their fellow man, then positive change happens to the benefit of the people. And that's what I'm determined to do as Michigan's next Secretary of State. Excellent, 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 excellent. How do we stop this thing from playing again? Okay, cool. I think we did it. Uh, but there we go, guys. So that was that was actually a rather fair, if you ask me, that was actually a rather fair go at, uh, you know, interviewing a candidate, right? A candidate for Secretary of State, a Make America Great candidate, a Trump supporter, a Trump-endorsed uh, candidate. So good job to uh, that newscast for doing such a story, or I mean, sorry, such a spotlight. It was like a highlight, right? With Christina Caramo. And that's, the, that's another interesting thing a lot of people are not aware of about Caramo, uh, is that um, uh, she's actually going to, uh, once, once she is Secretary of State, she's going to initiate a program to give all Michiganders access to a free identification card, a free ID, guys. She's like, there's no reason why people in Michigan shouldn't have one. And, and is that not a great way to combat the sensationalism of, uh, of election, uh, what do you call it, uh, of election um, suppression, right? Suppressing the vote. Uh, if they say, oh, you want to make us to where we have to have an ID when we vote, that's suppressing the vote because people of color don't know how to get an ID. Well, Christina Cramo says, well, in that case, we'll just give them all free IDs. Ha! Huh, what do you think about that, deep state? That's what I'm talking about. So anyhow, uh, they do a good job there with uh, Christina Caramo in that um, in that particular uh, particular uh, newscast. And uh, but I want to share an article with you where they thoroughly demonize her. Let me show you about that one real quick. Hey, what's going on? Pilled by the rabbit. Great Scott, it's pilled by the rabbit. How you doing today, sir? Glad to see you in the audience, right? Yeah. You know, Pilled by the Rabbit is actually the cameraman who filmed my interview with Christina Karama over in Las Vegas. Still very grateful for that, Pilled by the Rabbit. And guess what? 
nothing on nothing on Miss Caramo, but um, it appears that the audio is a little meh in most of her interviews. So <laughs> we were on par for the course, my friend. <laughs> Now, here is an article from Michigan Live, which is a stanky, stanky, um, um, a deep state legacy press, local propaganda media spin machine, right? And the interesting thing about Karamo is that every time someone goes in on Karamo, it's always about issues that have absolutely nothing to do with her stance or her platform for Secretary of State. In most cases, they attack her because she is an overtly proud, and there's nothing wrong with that, she is a proud Christian, okay? And she is a proud child of God, and she's not afraid to talk about it. Uh, and that's usually the angle that they attack her at. Check out this article, guys. Title of the article is, Will Demons Make a Difference? in Michigan's Secretary of State race. I'm like, what are we doing? Reading a Stephen King book here or something like that or what? Uh, let's see how these guys have at Christina Caramo. Ladies and gentlemen, it goes this way. Uh, Christina Caramo, Christina Caramo's campaign could have a demon problem, which is not necessarily that the Republican candidate for Michigan Secretary of State believes in demons there isn't rich uh there isn't rich survey data on the demon question but what there is indicates that most americans are open to the idea that demons exist see what does this have to do with secretary of state right what does this have to do with secretary of state uh it says here it's more her belief in sexually transmitted demons yes the christian authors who write about them occasionally call them stds oh my goodness no wonder they started calling STDs STIs. <laughs> we don't want to get the demons and the diseases confused here, so let's just call them. Uh, uh, let's just call them. Uh, what do you call it? Sexually transmitted um, uh, incidences. No, just kidding. I know it's not incidences. It's just my brain is not working right now. Okay, so infections okay <laughs> it says uh, this is a view somewhat further from the mainstream. And, oh, we read an article about this in the dark one night. Anyhow, it says Caramo, whose star rose in the Republican Party after she claimed to have witnessed election fraud in Detroit in 2020, laid out some of her thoughts on the subject in the fall of that year. If a person has demonic possession, I know it's going to sound really crazy me saying that for some people. They're going to be like, what? But having intimate relations with people who are demonically possessed or oppressed, I strongly believe that a person who opens themselves up to possession. She said in September of 2020 installment of her podcast, Solid Food. Demonic possession is real, she added. After a portion of that passage was included in a CNN story earlier this month, uh, Ingham County Clerk Barb Byram, a Democrat, tweeted, Ladies and gentlemen, the GOP health curriculum. Karamo responded on a Twitter on Twitter by calling uh, Byram an anti-Christian bigot, adding that you would never mock Muslims or Hindus for their spiritual beliefs. Jocelyn Benson and her anti-Christian comrades are not liberal Democrats, but authoritarians who shame religious people. Uh, 
Ideas that might be uh, that might be fed into a notion of sexually transmitted demons have a long history of in Christian churches," said Sarah Mosliner, a lecturer in the Department of Philosophy, Anthropology, and Religion at Central Michigan University, who studies evangelical purity culture. So the idea of bodies as material entities being prone to evil is part of the Christian tradition going all the way back to the early church fathers, she said. But the only direct link between possession and sex she's run across in the interviews she's done for her research is the case of a young teenage girl who was accused of being possessed after she was sexually abused by a pastor, Molsliner said. Based on my research, it's not a commonly held belief. Amy Derogatis, a professor of religious studies at Michigan State University, has offered up one notion of the idea's origins. Starting in the 1990s, evangelical writers began to spiritualize sex within marriage, to talk about marital sex as an avenue not just to physical pleasure, but also to communion with an eternal beloved. She wrote in the 2019 article, Born Again is a Sexual Term, Demons, STDs, and God's Healing Sperm. Oh my God. One, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but one question, however, you just don't hear those words all in the same. Who's ever heard of God's healing sperm? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just saying, I'm not mocking, I'm just saying. One question, however, goes unanswered in these books, she continued. If marital intercourse opens participants to the spirit world and grants unity with the divine, what happens during sexual encounters not sanctioned by God? A few writers from a charismatic and evangelical churches worked out an answer. Demons horning their way in. Okay. Uh, Orgasm lowers our natural defenses against spiritual invasion. Terry Weir and Mark Carruth wrote in Holy Sex. The way the Catholics do. No, just kidding. Holy sex, God's purpose and plan for our sexuality. And the results can manifest as pain, depression, anxiety, or the compulsion to repeat a sexual sin. Karamo did not respond to requests to discuss her beliefs about demonic possession at greater length, nor did her Democrat opponent, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, answer a question about her own beliefs in demons. She has not publicly taken a position on the topic. But Karamo's September 20. 20 discussion of demons happened in the context of a lament about people moving away from God, substituting physical pleasure for obedience to divine will. How people become possessed, I don't know all the details of it, she said, but I would surmise that the sexual licentiousness in our culture, there's a lot of spiritual things gone wrong. And, uh, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Would you vote for President Trump a third time? Put a one for yes in the chat or a two for no. Ah, ha, ha. Okay, so, well, there you go, guys. So, you know, they'll, you know, they'll do anything to try and demonize him. Now, they couldn't necessarily uh, pull one on Christina Caramo like they did with, um, like they did with um, um, that, uh, that um, what was her name again? Uh, man, I already forgot her name. The one over there, uh, Ham, Ham, Rachel Ham over in California, right? They couldn't do the same thing with Christina Cramo like they did with uh, Rachel Ham. In fact, in a recent interview with, um, with, uh, um, Christina Cramo over on Bannon's War Room, 
what we saw was um, Christina Caramo basically said, yeah, it was a Christian podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It was a Christian podcast. So of course it's going to sound it's going to have a it's going to have an obvious tone or there's going to be an obvious point of view, ladies and gentlemen, but that is the only thing that Michigan um, establishment and legacy media can get on Christina Caramo. Every single one of her points as far as her platform and where she wants to take the Secretary of State's office, which is to take it back to lawfulness, they cannot touch her. In fact, she might just be the most untouchable candidate for office since Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. So, let's take a look. This is, this is from this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Christina Caramo held um, a press conference uh, um, this morning at 10 a.m. in Michigan. Now, let me tell you, even though, and let me tell you why I'm sharing this information with you guys in spite of the fact that Christina Caramo does not have a primary contender. The reason being is that tomorrow is election day, okay, in Michigan. And if you're a poll worker, if you are an electioneer, if you're someone who's going to be on the ground, whether as a watcher or, you know, maybe as a vigilante drop box watcher or whatever, very important information is coming out of this press conference. During this press conference, basically what Christina Karama exposes is that Jocelyn Bentonson has released a brand new set of guidelines for the election officials to abide by. And a lot of them do not work in the favor of fair and free elections. But more importantly, they over they um, they supersede election law in Michigan, which, as we know, is unconstitutional because the office of the Secretary of State does not have the stripes, nor do they have the authority to create election laws, guidelines, or rules to run by. That is the job of the state legislature per the Michigan Constitution and per the United States Constitution. So uh, it is... um, It's quite a... It's quite a press conference. We're going to play the first half of it or so, and then uh, we'll get back into talking a little bit more about some of the things going on in the state of Michigan, including more on Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson, as well as the efforts by Sheriff Leaf of Barry County to bring down justice on Jocelyn Benson, and we'll take it from there, ladies and gentlemen. So please, without uh, any further ado, um, um, give your undivided attention to Christina Caramo, candidate for Secretary of State, America First, Make America Great Again, again. Hello, everyone. I'm Christina Caramo, Republican nominee for Michigan Secretary of State. I want to start off my comments by saying that Jocelyn Benson is the most lawless Secretary of State Michigan's history. When elected officials violate the law, the citizenry is harmed. And oftentimes, because of the position of these individuals, the citizenry gets no justice. And then we're in a position where we depend on the very people who are responsible for protecting our rights. And then they violate their rights, and then they're supposed to investigate themselves. So it's very difficult for them, us to hold them accountable. Our voting rights are the most sacred rights that we have as human beings. In America, we are so blessed to have a form of government where we can peacefully 
make our voices heard. History has shown us that the constant state of man is not peace but war. We have been blessed in the United States of America to be able to stand on our street corners, make our complaints, campaign for our candidates, and then have the confidence that on election day, we will be able to cast our vote and it will be counted. When we talk about our voting rights, there are multiple elements to our voting rights. One is ensuring ballot access. We have to ensure that every qualified elector has access to the ballot so they can vote. There's also other components to our voting rights that oftentimes are not discussed as much. One, another component to our voting rights is to ensure that our vote is not manipulated. That is another component to our voting rights. And also another component to our voting rights is ensuring that illegal ballots are not injected into the system. Without access to the ballot, without uh, ensuring that our votes are not manipulated, and also without ensuring that there are not illegal ballots being injected into the system, the voting rights of Michiganders and any citizen are being suppressed. Part of protecting our voting rights is the role of the poll challenger. The poll challenger is the advocate for the citizen to ensure that the elections are being lawfully ran. And our law is very clear that the poll challenger is allowed to roam the precincts, absentee county boards freely. So as long the poll challenger isn't A, touching or handling any of the equipment, ballots or otherwise, or issuing challenges simply for the sake of just irritating or harassing people. What we've seen happen with Secretary Vincent's new rules governing poll challengers, she's violating the rights of the poll challenger and making the poll challenger subservient to that of the election inspector. And it's so ambiguous, so ambiguous, that it puts us in a position where the poll challenger has no recourse. Our Declaration of Independence states that the government derived their just powers from the consent of the government. That is the only way we the people exercise our liberty. And so the poll challenger is the guardian on the ground to ensure that we are able to exercise our liberty. And so there are three points that I want to go over today, as I alluded to the first one is regarding poll challengers' rights. Also, we have two citizens who are here today who issued letters to Jocelyn Benson, which have been ignored. And the third point is concerns regarding our absentee counting process. The absentee counting process is so critical that it's secure because unlike when you're in a voting precinct, you, the citizen, are there watching the entire process. You feed your ballot into the machine. However, during the absentee counting process, the citizen is hoping that their fellow citizenry are going to correctly tabulate their vote. So there's a lot of faith in our fellow citizenry. And we're not here to assume that election workers and election officials are up to nefarious activities. That is not our intent. However, considering how securing our elections and protecting our voting rights is so inextricably linked to our liberty, we can't chance it on people probably won't do the wrong thing. It's important that we know that the process is secure. So those are the three points that I want to hit on today. The first point is regarding issues we have with the poll challengers manual that Jocelyn Benson has put out. On page 21, it says, speak with that the poll challenger cannot speak with or interact with election inspectors who are not the challenger liaison or the challenger liaison that meet unless given explicit permission by the challenger liaison or members of the clerk staff. Nothing in Michigan election law prevents me as a poll challenger from saying anything to an election inspector. 
And I was a poll challenger at the TCF Center in Detroit during the 2020 election. And I saw multiple illegal things, even though our media liked to claim we were just delusional. But then they rely on the word of individuals who were not fair to dismiss the word of citizens who were there. And last time I checked, our Declaration of Independence gives me the right to reach our grievances to my government. And we were demonized. But I'll move on to that in a little bit. But also, it says that we can't speak to them. There's nothing in Michigan election law that makes it illegal for me to speak to an election worker. As the situation I saw at the absentee county board in the adjudication, at the adjudication table, I had to say something to the election worker to stop them from what they were doing. Now, if there is an election worker doing something illegal, then I have to go and find the poll challenger liaison before I can do anything. This person can continue with improper activity. And I'm going to say improper because sometimes we have to leave room for human error. So just because someone does something that violates the law, that doesn't necessarily mean that these individuals are doing so to, uh, to break the law. Their intent is breaking the law. It may be an honest mistake, but nevertheless, I should be able to say something. And so with there being a limited number of poll challenger liaisons there, that puts us in a position to not be able to do anything. And then also, Vincent, in her manual, is claiming that we have to introduce ourselves to the poll challenger liaison. Where in Michigan election law are we required to introduce ourselves to the poll challenger liaison? What if I can't find this person? Once again, you're looking at places like the TCF Center, and so we're going to talk about that later, but there, that is not going to be our only absentee county board. There will also be an absentee county board in Oakland County as well. So we never want people to get the impression that we're just picking on Wayne County, because there's also issues in Muskegon County. There's issues all over the state. It's just that I happen to be a poll challenger in Wayne County, so that's where I began to see issues. But we're seeing issues all over the state of Michigan. So this isn't just an isolated area. But additionally, there's nothing requiring me to do that. In addition, on page 21, Vincent also says it's a violation for the poll challenge to make repeated impermissible challenges. Once again, you're putting us in a one-sided situation where the poll where the election inspector can just arbitrarily decide that that was an impermissible challenge. When the law is clear, the only thing that a poll challenger is restricted from doing is obstructing in the election process by touching or handling things or harassing people. And the law is quite clear for the purposes of annoying the election inspectors or voters. But to put me in a position where I cannot make challenges out of fear of being tossed out, it is actually violation of our voting rights. Because once again, as I mentioned, our voting rights contain three components. Ballot access, ensuring that my vote is tabulated correctly, and to ensure that illegal ballots are not injected into the system. And so the poll challenger is essential in ensuring, especially in this case of the absentee county board, that those last two components of my voting rights is protected. Additionally, it says, page 22, if a challenger acts in a way prohibited by this instruction set or fails to follow the direction given by an election inspector serving at the location at which a challenger is present, the challenger will be warned of their prohibited action and of their responsibility to adhere to the instructions in this manual and the directions issued by election inspectors. I'm going to pause there. Once again, this is so ambiguous. See, the thing about it is ambiguity, ambiguity is the breeding ground for corruption. This is open to anybody's interpretation. When we're talking about something so sacred as our voting rights, it cannot be ambiguous. Once again, it must adhere to the law. 
if a poll challenger is obstructing an election inspector from doing their job, if they're harassing voters, yes, that is illegal. The law is clear. But for example, while I was at the TCF Center, I saw during the 2020 election, I saw election inspectors huddling their bodies, preventing poll challengers from viewing the ballot duplication process. That is illegal. That is totally illegal. However, under the new directive given by Vincent, this puts the poll challenger in a situation that they continue to complain, that they can simply be tossed out. Then to continue on, it gets worse that Vincent also claims in her manual on page 23 that the poll challenger cannot appeal to the local clerk. So wait a second. If the election inspector, and again, we're not saying that election inspectors will do something illegal, but considering that our voting rights and the securing our election are so inextricably linked to our liberty, you cannot put us in a position that if we witness someone doing something illegal, you're the Secretary of State is going to tell me I'm prohibited from contacting my local clerk. She is violating MCL 163-168-733 and MCL 168-734. This is why I say she violated the law. A judge already ruled that Jocelyn Benson violates the law, that she violated the law in the terms to signature verification process. And there's a video of Jocelyn Benson claiming that signature verification is a better way to establish identity over picture ID. If she really believes that, then why would she weaken the signature verification process? It makes no sense. So once again, we see her violating MCL 168-733, MCL 168-734 in terms of poll challengers' rights. This cannot stand. We can no longer have a lawless Secretary of State. But there are other concerns in point two. Um, these are letters that were written by uh, citizens, Phil, Dr. Philip Halloran and Melissa Williams, regarding concerns that they had of the TCF Center and hiring in Detroit. Now, let me preface it by saying, this is not just happening in Wayne County. As a matter of fact, uh, MCL 168-674 discusses the hiring of election workers and how there needs to be an equal number of people of opposing political parties to the best of their ability, to the best of the Board of Elections uh, uh, ability. However, however, the, the, they're supposed to alert the county parties between 21 and 40 days before an election, who these people are that will be election inspectors, their precinct assignments, their names, and political affiliations. I was told by a member of the executive committee for the Muskegon County Republican Party that just about five days ago, they were told by one municipality the names of the election workers as they asked repeatedly over and over and over and over again. Now, according to the law, that clerk is supposed to provide them with that information 21 days prior to the election. So once again, it's not like we're picking on Detroit or picking on Wayne County. We're seeing issues all over the state of citizens and county parties asking for information or citizens airing their concerns, and we're not seeing the law being followed. So this letter was issued on July 20th regarding concerns citizens had of the poll challenger's right being protected and MCO 168, um, 733 and 734 being violated. And to Jocelyn Benson responded, no. Also, there were concerns in the city of Detroit regarding the equal number of equal hiring of Republican and Democratic election workers or election inspectors in the formal tournament. While I was there at the TCF Center in 2020, I personally witnessed 
how the disparage in the number of Republicans compared to Democratic election workers opened the door for corruption. And again, this is not to say that one party is more dishonest than the other. As Secretary of State, that would be totally improper to accuse one political party of being more dishonest than the other, because it's just about following the law. But what we see here, of you see a limited amount of Republicans at duplication boards. You do not see a, an equal amount of Republicans compared to Democrats in certain positions of the absentee counting process that are critical to the security of our elections. You see the limited amount of Republicans in leadership positions in the city of Detroit, especially at the absentee counting board. And the problem is, is that when citizens share their concerns with their elected officials, they should be heard. And there should be a process to remedy those concerns. And we're not seeing that happening, whether it's here in Wayne County or throughout the state. We're seeing too many issues of there not being an equal number of Republicans and Democrats at these precinct sites and absentee county boards. And I also want to issue an appeal to our Democratic uh, citizens of other parties. If you are experiencing the same situation where you feel like that you as a Democrat are and you're not seeing equal that an effort to ensure that there's an equal number of Republicans and Democrats. I would love to hear from you because the reality is this. Our election system is about protecting our liberty. This is not about protecting parties or giving one party an advantage over another or suppressing the voice of another party. This is about ensuring that all citizens, irrespective of political affiliation, have equal protection and that their voting rights will be protected and that our elections will be lawfully conducted. watched the logic and accuracy test and took a screenshot of it. Now, for one, the logic and accuracy test, in many we saw in Detroit, but in other municipalities it happens as well, that they're not actually testing the actual machines that will be used on election day. What is the point of a logic and accuracy test if you're not going to actually test the tabulation machines that will be used on election day? It's fear. Also, when you conduct a logic and accuracy test over Zoom, the citizenry cannot really see anything. We have no verification that our rights are actually being protected, that these machines are actually working correctly. But even if they did have the proper oversight and citizens were there physically, they're not even testing the actual tabulation machines that would be used on election day. So then that makes the logic and accuracy test pointless. As I said before, protecting our rights in our elections, protecting our rights and protecting our elections are so critical that we have to ensure that our elections are lawfully ran. That is so critical. And then also, before I pass the baton over to Pat Kobeck here to discuss his experience doing a walkthrough at the TCS Center, one of the just, just glaring concerns that I have is regarding, while at the TCS Center, they were informed that for 24 tabulation machines, 24 tabulation machines, they're only allowed to have four poll challengers. Four people to watch 24 tabulation machines. That again is a violation of MCL 168.733 because as a poll challenger, I have the right to examine without handling each ballot as it is counted and also observe the recording of absent, absent voter ballots on voting machines. How can a poll challenger exercise those rights that are legally protected when you have four people monitoring 24 tabulation machines. That is impossible, totally impossible. 
And so now the situation has been created that the citizenry cannot protect our election system. Our poll challengers are the guardian on the ground. And we can no longer have this. We must, must protect our elections. This is not a partisan issue. This is an American issue. We want to ensure that citizens, whether you're independent, Green Party, Democrat, Republican, Constitution, Libertarian, I don't care what your political affiliation is, that matters none to me. Because one of the things that's essential of protecting this republic that we have, of people of all diverse opinions, beliefs, backgrounds, is that at least we can count on the sanctity of our election. So now I want to pass the baton over um, to Senator Pat Colbeck to discuss his experience uh, as doing the walkthrough at the TCS. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. That was uh, the first portion of that um, uh, press conference with Christina Caramo. Again, it was held this morning. Held this morning. Um, and uh, very, very pertinent information, okay? <clears throat> A bunch of new rules and guidelines that uh, wretched Jocelyn Benson, Secretary of Snakes over there in Michigan, has put out for the election officials, okay? So very important, the reason why, again, I wanted to make sure I shared some of this information for you particularly is because if you're in the state of Michigan and you happen to have been volunteering for elections tomorrow, and let's just face it, guys, we don't know how long the elections are gonna last tomorrow, right? Well, uh, um, you guys will have a little bit of information regarding what Jocelyn Benson has done. If they start telling you weird things, like anything that was mentioned here, right? Like, uh, you need to go find the election official at the TCF Center. You know, thousands of people, hundreds of hundreds of people, you know, around and... and you know, waste your day instead instead of going to uh, watch the, you know, the machines or to go watch the uh, the voting or whatever to be an observer. They're going to send you on a, uh, a rat race looking for someone that's probably not even going to be in the building and that kind of a thing. Anyhow, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the uh, Secretary of Snakes. And again, this woman is so lawless, ladies and gentlemen, that she thinks that she runs the elections and... Uh, Oh, what happened to you, Jocelyn Benson? Man, too many night games or what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, man, do I could make a living out of finding the rattiest pictures of these swamp creatures. Do you want to see pictures that truly represent these swamp creatures? You know I'm going to find them, right? Like... <laughs> There is a nubile Jocelyn Benson. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. We'll update it. Boop. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, man. She, sure, she fixed her hair, but she still looks just as crazy, doesn't she? You know why we call Jocelyn Benson a secretary of snakes? Not just because she's a secretary of snakes, but because for the third time, I found yet another example of Miss Jocelyn Benson snake eyes. Ladies and gentlemen. Secretary of Snakes? Or do you think maybe one of those uh, those aliens went into her eyeball and like now she's like being controlled by an other, er, other, other, otherwise unearthly entity? Ladies and gentlemen, Jocelyn, you need to be able to control your shape-shifting. This is the third time I've documented your eyes turning into a serpent. 
Unless she's got that rare disease, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the one where your uh, pupil like bleeds into your iris. I don't know what it's called. I'm not a medical professional, but um, this is the third photo I found with her like this. And uh, <laughs> well, let's just face it, ladies and gentlemen, she is a secretary of snakes. I'm just saying I am just saying, OK, <laughs> Now you cannot unsee what I have shown you, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson. That's her right there for you. That is her right there for you. And, and we'll save the rest of this conversation for an episode in the dark. What do you say, ladies and gentlemen? We'll save the rest of that conversation for an episode in the dark. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about this Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson. Okay, so Jocelyn Benson, okay, uh, in order to combat this emergency, emergency press conference, right, she decides to uh, she decides to go ahead and hold one of her own press conferences at 10 a.m. this morning, ladies and gentlemen, because she's scared. She's afraid. She cannot. She's doing everything she can to save her livelihood. You have to understand the reason why I believe that they are going to sacrifice Arizona to save Michigan is because the uh, level of lawlessness that Secretary of Snakes Jocelyn Benson and wretched A.G. Nacelle have committed in their state only to be backed up by their wretched governor, wretched Gretchen Whitmer, is, it is astronomical, okay? And I dare say, if either of these three sisters weird were taken down in the event that Michigan flips because of election integrity, they're screwed, okay? They're screwed. And they will be able, and by they I mean the good guys, by they I mean fair and, uh, and blind courts, will be able to study and examine all of the moves that these reptoids created in order to subvert and steal the elections, okay? And then the jig is up for all of them. Then the jig is up for all of them because Jocelyn Benson, she projects self-righteousness. She projects self import She projects that everything she does is correct, okay? In other words, she does not second-guess her steps. She walks confidently in her lawlessness because that's what it takes to clear the path of those who would otherwise call you out for your chicanery. Ladies and gentlemen, oh man, they, they turned the spin machine on on my account over there in Foxhole. Uh, <clears throat> I guess I shouldn't have been making comments or dropping links in the chat room because the bots got to me. It's okay, though. I know we're still live. Anyways, so as I was saying, though, look at this. Look at this right here. Do you see this right here? Do you see this? This reptilian scale light? No, I, I should stop it because then everyone's going to be like, discredited. Mr. C thinks that Jocelyn Benson is a reptile, right? So, 
Anyways, guys, so Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, uh, decides to go ahead and hold an emergency press conference at 10 a.m. at the same time as Christina Caramo's to pull away any attention that hers would get because undoubtedly they understood, and by they I mean Jocelyn Benson's, um, you know, uh, re-election team, understood the information that uh, Christina Caramo would be presenting. Indeed, the information that we just heard that that Christina Caramo just shared with us, she's already calling out the lawlessness of what this Jocelyn Benson is doing. Ahead of the elections, Christina Caramo, future Secretary of State for the state of Michigan, is telling you how Jocelyn Benson has broken the law. And that is the difference between 2020 and 2022, is that in 2020, it took us what? A good six, seven, eight months to really dig our heels and I mean dig them into the ground as in to resist the current that was tugging us away from election integrity. The current that was tugging us into accepting the fraud of 2020, okay? It took us a good eight months or so to really just plant our feet and say, no, there is evidence of election fraud here. And by golly, you are going to listen to it, judge. Okay, it took them that long. Now, you notice a difference here in 2022? On the day of the primaries, Garland Favorito managed to have a hand recount of two precincts, right? So, okay, let's do a recount. Let's do a recount. Okay, we'll go along with it, Garland Favorito. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The ballot images don't match the number of ballots that are counted. <gasps> what are we going to do? Garland Favorito busted this wide open. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, We're not going to be allowed to, uh, to do a full audit because um, Governor, I mean, Governor, Governor Raffensperger, Secretary of Snakes Raffensperger has interjected and interceded. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it's happening in real time now, right? We're doing real time debunking and busting of their lies right now. And so uh, let's just let's just face it. Christina Cramo just did. She didn't do just real time debunking of how Jocelyn Benson is, uh, you know, going to try and steal these elections. She did like preliminarily debunking. She's like, this is the prerequisite to debunking what you're going to debunk when we figure out the fraud in the elections tomorrow on Tuesday, right? August 2nd, 2022. I mean, she's already given us the roadmap to look, what are we going to be looking for here, right? You know, if they are limiting um, election observers to four observers for 24 machines, someone's going to have their eyes on that, right? Someone's going to be documenting that. And in fact, they talk about that a little bit later in the press conference when she has a question and answer. And the question being, um, if you're saying that people need to observe these things, how does that go hand in hand with, and particularly if you're a secretary of state, how does that go hand in hand with uh, voter privacy? Christina Caramo handles that question quite well, and we'll take uh, we'll listen to that a little bit later as we go into overdrive. We're almost at the finish, guys. We just I just want to get these last couple of articles in before we go tonight. Now, Jocelyn Benson, as I've said numerous times, has uh, decided that she was going to have an emergency press conference at the same exact time as Christina Caramo's, uh, but during this press conference, instead of bringing election uh, fraud to the forefront and attention, Jocelyn Benson has made a promise that you will be arrested 
if you interfere with the proceedings. Here's an article coming out of uh, BridgeMichigan.com, and it goes this way. Jocelyn Benson warns of arrests if Michigan primary is disrupted. There's the snake herself, right? It says, uh, oh, that's just a caption for the photo. Uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson said Monday, anyone attempting to interfere with the election process could be removed from polling places or potentially arrested. Department is prepared for possibility of post-election shenanigans. Republican Christina Caramo called called on the Secretary of State to offer greater access to poll challengers on Election Day. Election officials and law enforcement across Michigan are prepared to remove and arrest anyone attempting to interfere with Tuesday's primary. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson said on Monday, If there is a law that is violated that would call for an arrest, certainly arrests would be made. Benson said during a Monday media event, We hope that everyone who is present in any polling place throughout the state of Michigan on Election Day will simply follow the rules. Follow the law. Follow the law of Jocelyn Benson is more like it. Benson went on to say, if that does not happen, then there will be consequences ranging from removal to arrest based on the severity. Benson said election officials around the state are prepared for the possibility of disruptions and said the department will continue to combat misinformation about the legitimacy of the 2020 election results that President Donald Trump has continuously claimed were fraudulent. Uh, Benson says, I will not tolerate any efforts to delegitimize any aspects of our process because their process is lawlessness. She wants to make sure their lawless process is legitimately lawless, is uh, what I'm saying here. Uh, But she says, I'm very hopeful that we'll see a smooth process just as we did in 2020. Although looking into 2020, we know that even a smooth process can yield a lot of post-election shenanigans. The Secretary of State position is up for grabs in November. Benson, a Detroit Democrat, was first elected in 2018 and is running for a second and final four-year term. Her presumed Republican challenger is Christina Caramo, an Oak Park resident and a 2020 poll challenger who rose to prominence after questioning the state's election results. Uh, Caramo has long claimed she witnessed fraud at Detroit's absentee count board, counting board while working as a poll challenger in November 2020. She submitted an affidavit on an incident report documented, uh, cited in a lawsuit seeking to overturn the official results and as a candidate has frequently called for a forensic audit of the 2020 election. Among other things, Caramo claimed that an election supervisor told a clerk to push through contested ballots that favored Democrats and that ballots were delivered by three a- between 3 a.m. and 3.30 a.m., a claim that has been widely debunked. Lies! I'm pretty sure that True the Vote will have something separate to show for that, ladies and gentlemen. During a separate Monday media event, Caramo also said she was told that only four poll challengers were allowed per 24 tabulation machines, which she argued limited challengers' ability to observe the process. 
She criticized Benson's handling of elections thus far and called on her office to ensure that poll challengers have adequate access to supervise the election process. We're not saying illegal things will happen. I'm not saying that, Caramo said. We just want to make sure that they won't. Election officials have vehemently defended the 2020 process and Benson has referred to the proceedings as the most secure in Michigan history. Benson said Monday that uh, clerks around the state have been working to increase the transparency of the election, inviting the public to watch tests of voting machines and being more proactive about sharing election information. She said that runs alongside an escalating effort to take information and twist it to further political or partisan gains, urging voters to inform themselves about the election process and avoid misinformation campaigns. You know, I always find it quite funny whenever we have these snakes saying things like that. Anytime you have a someone who we know is involved in the fraud, right? Anytime we have someone like Jocelyn Benson, Katie Hobbs, Kamala Harris saying, I encourage you to learn as much as you can and be informed about the election process and avoid misinformation campaigns. Like, I I always wonder, like, what are you going to do when they look into election law and they find out that uh, it's in fact they're the ones who have been subverting the election process and they're the ones who have been shelling out campaign misinformation. I mean, do they realize what they're saying? (laughs) They'd be better off saying things like, don't pay attention to these election fraud deniers, uh, or sorry, these election deniers. Don't pay attention to these conspiracy theory fraudsters, you know? I mean, that's what I think they would say instead of go get yourself informed, because if they will get informed, it's not going to work out for them in the end, long run. I promise you that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, our last story for tonight, Sheriff Leaf. He is the sheriff of Barry County, Michigan, who is, um, I'm pretty sure, I have it on good word that he's a member, you know, of the uh, sheriff's uh, effort to secure elections, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about True the Vote. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the pit. I'm, uh, I'm talking about uh, things I don't even know what I mean. Anyways, so, yeah, Barry, Sheriff Barry, I mean, sorry, Sheriff Barry. Sheriff, um, <clears throat> Sheriff Leaf is, uh, he, he's trying to hold... Uh, wretched Gretchen Whitmer and Jocelyn Benson and wretched Dana Nassell to task, okay? Uh, keeping in mind, guys, that the sheriff is the highest constitutional authority of the land, it's rather interesting that uh, people like Dana Nassell, the state attorney general, which is the highest law thing of the land per the state, You know, I mean, funny thing is, I guess A.G. Nacelle doesn't realize that the sheriff has more authority over her, particularly in their jurisdiction. Okay, A.G. Nacelle has no jurisdiction over Barry County. Barry County Sheriff Leaf has jurisdiction over her, 
particularly if she enters into his county line, right? Okay, so uh, we got an uh, interesting article here where the legacy media, you know, you, the legacy press has started to uh, go on the defense against the sheriff's coalition for truth, integrity, and justice in the field of election integrity, right? Uh, they're going on the defense because there's a lot of hubbub or hullabaloo about uh, about the sheriffs being the highest law of the land and about them being able to investigate elections, right? Because let's not forget about this alliance between True the Vote and the sheriffs uh, of America who are coming together. Sheriff Mack, uh, Sheriff Leaf is another one. Uh, you know, we got Sheriff, uh, the, the other sheriff from Penal County, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment in Arizona, you know, and, and all of them, even Sheriff Arpaio can get in on this one, even though he's retired. But uh, let's go ahead and take a gander at this final article for the night. Let's see how they're trying to demonize this man. Let's see how they're trying to poo-poo this effort for sheriffs to join on the election integrity bandwagon as the highest elected official authority in the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look. Again, this is from a Legacy Press Media News. This is from BD News 24, a local Legacy Spitwad from Michigan. It says here, a far-right sheriff crusades to prove Trump's bogus voter fraud claims. Donald Trump's claim that the 2020 election was rigged has been decisively debunked by local election officials and federal courts, which this is all a lie, right? They should be held accountable. They should be held as complicit. They should be held as fraudulent for continuously sharing these headlines and subheadlines. And I would say, I guess, you know, President Trump's uh, lawsuit against CNN, it's going to have a it's going to have a um it's going to have a crazy effect on the rest of the media when he defeats them ladies and gentlemen when president trump defeats cnn for libelous defamation it's going to have a chilling effect on the press around the nation and with any luck it will have a chilling effect on the press around the world indeed 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 Sheriff Darleaf rejects all of that debunked hullabaloo and chicanery and Sean Connery. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that is a good one, Aurelius Locke. Never thought about that. Article says Donald Trump's claim that the 2020 election was rigged has been decisively debunked according to some other separate reality that most of these legacy press media people live in. Okay. And uh, they say it was debunked by election officials, state and federal courts, and the uh, president's own attorney general, formerly speaking, all deemed his case bogus. Here in Michigan's rural Barry County, Sheriff Darleaf rejects all that. Since, the, since late 2020, Leaf has been investigating one of Trump's most fantastical false assertions that vote counting machines somehow flipped votes from Trump to Democrat from Trump to Democrat Joe Biden, working with key figures in the former president's failed effort to overturn the election. The Republican sheriff has petitioned courts seeking to seize election equipment, assigned investigators to 
grill local clerks about balloting processes and made sweeping requests for their records. The sheriff is barreling ahead despite the conclusions of judges and counties Republican prosecutor that he lacked probable cause. In the process, Leaf is roiling conservative Barry County, where Trump won decisively and testing a legal theory with revolutionary implications for American democracy. Leaf is the vanguard of the so-called constitutional sheriff's movement, which asserts that sheriffs typically elected in counties possess supreme law enforcement power in their jurisdictions, exceeding that of state police. Well, it's true. Um, and uh, federal, uh, they, he exceeds his powers, exceed state police, federal agencies, and any other official, including the U.S. president. I mean, if the U.S. president is unlawful and they step foot in my county as a constitutional sheriff, you better believe I'm going to arrest him. The movement's most prominent group, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, takes the extreme position that sheriffs can and should ignore any law they deem unconstitutional. Richard Mack, the association's founder, called federal and state bureaucracies the Gestapo of America that routinely adopt unconstitutional policies. The sheriffs are going to have to, to stop it, said Mack, a former sheriff of Graham County, Arizona, at the association's conference in Las Vegas earlier this month. The association claims sheriffs derive extraordinary powers from the oath they take to defend the Constitution and its principles of separation of powers between local, state, and federal agencies. Two constitutional scholars interviewed dismissed that theory, saying it has no basis in the founding document or in U.S. history. Oh, oh, let me guess. These same people also say that uh, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that we can decertify an election. Right. They probably those are probably the same people. Right. They they all bed the same. They all fly the same. They all flock together. In May, the association announced that it's encouraging sheriffs to mount their own investigations into Trump's 2020 election fraud claims. So far, Leaf is one of four known to have launched such probes, but the movement appears to be growing. The association says more than 300 of the nation's 3,000 elected sheriffs have gone through its training program since 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, they've been at this for a while. That makes me feel good. In Michigan, Colorado, Arizona, and other states, officials have blasted the constitutional sheriffs for undermining public faith in the integrity of elections and the local officials who run them. Well, you know what? We blast the people who stole the elections for destroying the faith the public had in elections and for disenfranchising them and for being backstabbing traitors to this nation, to the Constitution, to the people, and to God. Now, the article continues, Leaf himself is under scrutiny in a probe by State Attorney General Wretched Dana Nassell, a Democrat, into whether Trump backers illegally accessed voting equipment seeking fraud evidence in several jurisdictions in Michigan, a pivotal 2020 election battleground. I would say, Dana Nassell, you better not step into... <clears throat> you better not step into 
Berry County. Okay, I'm going to stop right here to address Left Maryland, uh, who clearly does not understand why I'm reading this article. Left Maryland, uh, or I should say Left MD. I don't know. I, I, I mean, are you a medical doctor for the left? Is that what that's all about? Is that why you're here? Um, have you ever, I, I've seen you in my chat room before, really, but you really think that I'm being condescending regarding the sheriff <laughs> and their constitutional power? Hello? Now, granted, I am sharing a Legacy Press article to illustrate how they see the constitutional sheriff. Left MD, you better rest assured, honey mama, when it comes to understanding the power of the constitutional sheriff, I am right there backing them up and by their side, okay? So don't you dare question me in my own chat room as to whether or not I think that the sheriff has the constitutional ability to arrest a president who has broken the law and has been treasonous. How dare you left MD. I'm glad you're out. I don't want you in my chat room if you clearly have no sense of discernment to see what side of the line I stand on. But I would never question you in that regard. Get your own damn show. Okay, all right. Let's get back to this article. Okay, so getting back to the article, it's, you know, I try and bring a little bit of levity to the show by putting, you know, weird and, you know what, I'm not even going to bother. The people who are here for my show every day understand exactly where I stand, okay? That's all I got to say, Left MD. The people who are here for my show every day and in my chat room know exactly where I stand, and they would never question me and be as disrespectful as you are. Okay, all right, here we go. Okay, so getting back to this, it says, uh, Now Leaf himself is under scrutiny in a probe by State Attorney General Dana Nassell, a Democrat, into whether Trump backers illegally accessed voting equipment, seeking fraud evidence in several jurisdictions in Michigan. The C-Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated from 99 cents per month to 499 per month to 999 per month. Every donation counts, and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. The state's top election official, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, she's a snake, initially requested that the attorney general investigate. She said that the probe is expansive. We want to see if there's coordination among those seeking illegal access to election equipment and whether that coordination reaches up to a national level, said Benson, a Democrat. 
Uh, Reuters reporting reveals that it does. The news organizations conducted dozens of interviews, reviewed video from public meetings, and examined dozens of interviews and examined scores of documents obtained through public records, requests um, to explore Leaf's investigation and the misinformation driving it. Among the findings, people spearheading Trump's rigged election claims in Michigan were deeply involved with Sheriff Leaf early on, making Barry County a pillar of their efforts to overturn the presidential vote in a fiercely contested state that Biden won by 154,000 votes of 5.5 million cast. In April, Michigan State Police raided the clerk's office in Barry County's Irvine Township, or Irving Township, a locus of Leaf's probe. I think they mean a focus of Leaf's Pro. <laughs> a focus of Leaf's probe. The officers confiscated a vote tabulator suspected of being taken and examined without proper authorization, a felony in Michigan. The Irving Township clerk, Sharon Olson, told the police that an investigator working with Leaf's department had taken the tabulator to forensically examine it according to a state police report. Olson, a Republican, told state police that the sheriff's office asked her to give the investigator the equipment and that Leaf told her it was fine, according to the report. Olson declined to comment on the incident. Leaf denied any wrongdoing in an interview and said that no one from his department touched any tabulators in my county. Leaf's office worked closely with a private investigator, Michael Lynch, on its election fraud probe, but the sheriff said she did not know if Lynch took the Irving Township tabulator. Leaf told investigators he did not authorize anyone to take the device, according to the state police. Lynch did not respond to requests for comment. That case is among at least 17 incidents identified nationwide, including 11 in Michigan, in which Trump supporters are alleged to have gained or attempted to gain unauthorized access to voting equipment. You want to talk about unauthorized access? There was a smashing story out of Arizona that broke uh, today and uh, a couple of days ago about unauthorized access to voting equipment. Uh, We'll probably share that with you guys tomorrow, although I bet you guys already have heard about it. I got to archive it here on my show. It says here, state and federal courts have cited insufficient evidence in rejecting Leaf's requests for orders authorizing him to seize voting equipment in his county and statewide. The sheriff remains undeterred. We're going to keep going, he said. We get new information almost daily. Uh, Leaf said the state investigation has kind of interfered with what we are doing. Last month, he sued the attorney general and other Michigan officials, arguing that the state's investigation has usurped his power as a constitutional sheriff to probe election fraud allegations in his county. The attorney general and state police declined to comment on their investigation into Leaf and others chasing voter fraud claims in Michigan. Leaf's investigation was guided from the start by Stephanie Lambert, a Detroit attorney who was part of a legal team led by prominent pro-Trump lawyer Sidney Powell that filed a federal suit immediately after the election seeking to overturn Michigan's results. The judge found the suit's claims of massive voter fraud so baseless that she sanctioned Lambert, Powell, 
and other lawyers on the case for misconduct. Lambert is now representing Leaf in his lawsuit against Michigan officials. Powell did not respond to requests for comment. Lambert now faces an effort by the Attorney General, Governor, and Secretary of State to have her disbarred. She did not comment in response to inquiries, you see, and that is another reason why I find it beneficial, ladies and gentlemen, to be able to um, sit sit through articles like this, okay? It's because you're going to get information out of the enemy papers that you're not going to get out of the friendly papers, okay? For example, information about this lawyer, Lawyer Lambert, okay? Now, some of you all may be familiar with her from the proceedings back in November of 2020 and December dealing with President Trump and Sidney Powell and his legal team going into Michigan, okay, and stuff like that. But uh, to know that this woman is now representing Sheriff Darleaf, to know that they are coming down on her, they're trying to get her disbarred, okay? It's all about perspective, Okay, it's all about perspective and it's all about getting a little bit more information about what's going on on the other side. Okay, Um, (laughs) Aurelius Log says drunk pinata gets a lot on his show by people that don't get what he's doing. Right. (laughs) I mean, if if this MD person couldn't figure out I'm reading an article, um, maybe they're listening on earbuds. I don't know. You know, like. I have no idea. I mean, I'm reading an article. (laughs) Okay, back into this uh, article. It says here, uh, Leaf and his fellow constitutional sheriffs are part of a much broader effort with an pro-Trump right to gain control over the U.S. election system. In at least 15 states, candidates who embrace the false stolen election narratives are campaigning for Secretary of State, the top voting administration office. In November... In November's election, according to the state's uh, United Action, a nonpartisan election integrity group in Florida, the Republican governor has set up an election police squad meant to ensure voting integrity. In Pennsylvania, Republican gubernatorial nominee Doug Mastriano, who backs Trump's voter fraud claims, is running on a platform that includes compelling all voters to re-register, making it easier for poll watchers to challenge voters, and appointing a like-minded Secretary of state to investigate and overturn elections. I could decertify, says Mastriano, every election machine in the state with the stroke of my pen via my secretary of state. The upheaval in Barry County shows how the right's misinformation-fueled efforts to control elections have spread to even the smallest towns. Here, and in some other conservative communities, Trump-aligned activists have sown doubt and discord that is putting long-serving election clerks on the defensive, forcing them to fight, to fight off specious claims that are often embraced by their constituents. Now that should say something if it's the constituents that are embracing these claims as opposed to just like, you know, random old election officials or whatever. 
Conservative commentator Charlie Sykes said such efforts are an attempt to make election extremism palatable to mainstream American conservatives, a phenomenon he said could fester quickly. He pointed to the Capitol riots as a harbinger of the potentially frightening speed of radicalization and anti-democratic efforts on the political right, the involvement of people with guns and badges to intimidate voters and attempts to access voting equipment could become go-to tactics, said Sykes, the editor of the Bulwark website the, and the author of How the Right Lost Its Mind. It doesn't feel hyperbolic to say this is extremely dangerous, Sykes said. Leaf has been the sheriff for 18 years in Barrie County, a largely agricultural patch of southwest Michigan with about 63,000 residents, 96% of them white. Why is that important? Oh, I forgot because this is a legacy press article. Leaf oversees about 65 people, including 30 deputies and detectives from a squat concrete building with a sticker on the front door announcing that lawful carrying of handguns is welcome and encouraged on the premises. Leaf was re-elected in 2020 without opposition despite widespread criticism for appearing earlier in earlier that year at a right-wing militia group's rally. Oh, let me guess, was this the Save America rally? <laughs> Was this the Save America rally featuring Donald Trump? Anyways, it says he later suggested that a plot by some militia members to kidnap Michigan's Democrat governor may have been a lawful attempt to make a citizen's arrest. Ho! He remains popular. Now there's a spin on that story if I ever heard one, right? Wow. <laughs> sorry, Mr. Leaf. I mean, I'm sorry. Sorry, Sheriff Darleaf. It seems that it was the feds after all. Anyways... <laughs> It says he remains popular in the county despite the growing number of officials, mostly Republicans, who have publicly condemned his election fraud investigation. I hope you Michiganders are taking note. All right. So now you know that you need to go after the Republicans who are saying Sheriff Darleaf is being lawless as well. Leaf declined to detail any election fraud evidence his investigators have found, saying it could compromise his probe. He said, however, that his suspicions are based in part on a data analysis provided by Seth Keschel, a Trump ally and national leader in the election overturn movement. Leaf said Keschel gave him an analysis specifically for Barry County that suggested fraud, which the sheriff said should help provide probable cause for his investigation. Keschel's analysis based on historical voting and registration patterns has been widely discredited. Oh, by who? Who's the expert, Legacy Press article? Who's the expert that discredited Seth Keschel's um, um, findings? I'd like to know. Anyways, it says here, uh, Keschel acknowledged his model cannot definitely prove fraud, but maintained it can spotlight where results should be investigated. That's right. It's going to give them the heads up into what to look into, right? The heads up into what into look into. It's not going to prove outright fraud, but it's going to, it's like, uh, it's like a uh, divining rod, right? It's like a uh, canary in the cold mine. Like uh, the numbers here were pretty crazy. So uh, let's go ahead and maybe we should look into this, right? 
Leaf said he first became concerned about election rigging four months before the 2020 vote when two lawyers who he did not identify visited him at his office with an alarming claim that vote tabulators used in his county supplied by Dominion Voting Systems of Colorado could be hacked and reprogrammed to flip votes. After Biden won, Trump and his uh, top lawyer, former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, championed the voting machine conspiracy theory. Uh, Trump supporters pressured Leaf to seize voting equipment in his county and seek evidence for the aggrieved president's claims, Leaf said. He quickly launched an effort to gain access to voting machines, teaming up with Lambert, the lawyer seeking to overturn Michigan's election results. Lambert represented Leaf as he filed suit in federal court on December 7, 2020, seeking an order to impound all voting machines and software in Michigan for expert inspection. A Republican appointed federal judge dismissed it a day later as based on speculative leaps. That same month, Leaf also petitioned a state judge for a warrant to seize voting equipment in Barry County. That bid was rejected, too, for lack of probable cause. Leaf's demand was radical. Vote counting equipment is highly secure and subject to stringent chain of custody requirements to protect against tampering that could compromise accuracy or enable fraud. Oh, you don't say, Legacy Press Media article. Really? Are you sure about that? I mean, obviously... Access to tabulators generally is restricted to certified um, to certified election officials and authorized technicians. Any machine accessed by an unauthorized person is taken out of commission. Despite legal setbacks, Leaf pressed on with his uh, investigation after Biden's inauguration in January 2021. He had a, a theories about rigged voting machines, but lacked a formal criminal complaint of wrongdoing to give his probe a firm legal footing. He soon got one from one of his former deputy sheriffs. That spring, Julie Jones, who had retired two years earlier from Leaf's office, filed a complaint saying she had obtained information that voting results in Barrie were intentionally manipulated to favor one candidate. The complaint named no suspects. It lists the victims as society. Jones could not be reached for comment. Her complaint was based almost entirely on claims made by Matthew DiPerno, now, watch out now, guys, because what this article is going to do now is this article is going to demonize Matthew DiPerno. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. It says, Matthew DiPerno, a Michigan lawyer and Trump supporter who is now running for state attorney general, had filed a suit alleging that vote tabulators could be rigged to flip votes from Trump to Biden. DiPerno brought the suit on behalf of a voter in Antrim County, about 200 miles from Leaf's turf. Antrim, like Barry, uses Dominion ballot counting machines. The Antrim suit filed against the county and state ultimately was dismissed. A decision affirmed this year by Michigan Court of Appeals. Its three judges including two Republican appointees, said the suit merely raised a series of questions about the election without making any factual allegations. The Trump camp nevertheless used the Antrim suit as fodder for its legal assault on the elections. A debunked report commissioned by DePerno's team was cited in a draft presidential order dated December 16th, 2020, that would have ordered the U.S. Secretary of Defense to seize voting machines. Trump never issued the order. Now, let's just make one thing clear here. 
Matthew DiPerno's investigations were never debunked, okay? They were debunked by people who said there is absolutely no evidence of election fraud, and that sentence itself debunked Matthew DiPerno. Now, one of the individuals who actually worked on the investigation and did a forensics analysis of the voting machines in Antrim County per the judge that was overseeing Bailey v. Michigan found and also exhibited the many ways that these Dominion voting machines could be hacked into and how they could flip the vote and how they could be um, remotely accessed, okay? And that was uh, Professor Clement, ladies and gentlemen, whom also went on to do the Otero County, New Mexico forensic audit, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, these, these, these legacy press, you know, articles... Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen, these legacy press articles absolutely are complicit with fraud, which means they're complicit with treason because they keep spreading the big lie, which is there was no such thing as election fraud in 2020 or otherwise. Terrible, isn't it? Okay, let's get back to this article. We're almost done, ladies and gentlemen. This is called The Big Read right here. DiPerno did not answer specific questions, but he disputed the connection or the contention that the voter fraud allegations in Antrim County were baseless or unproven. As Lambert was helping Leaf, she was mounting a similar effort to get access to voting equipment 250 miles away in Sheboygan County, a conservative stronghold of 25,000 people on the state's northern tip. Lambert's story of her entry into Trump world's orbit illustrates the haphazard way the legal team challenging his election defeat was assembled. A former prosecutor in Wayne County, which includes Detroit, Lambert had started her own criminal defense practice. She told the right wing website Gateway Pundit and 100% fed up. Oh, wait, because I said Gateway Pundit and 100% fed up like that. Does that mean that, you know, I'm doubting Gateway Pundit and 100% fed up or uh, never mind? Okay. Anyways, so um, Lambert had uh, told that to Gateway Pundit and 100% fed up. It says she entered the voting fraud, voter fraud fray, she said, when a person she did not identify asked her in November 2020 to deliver an affidavit about election fraud to the White House. She soon after contacted Powell and Giuliani directly. Um, let's see here. It goes on to say, uh, this is according to the article, what um, attorney Lambert said. From there, I was the local attorney on the Michigan Sidney Powell case. Um, after that contact. Now, Lambert introduced herself as part of DePerno's Antrim election team at an April 14th, 2021 meeting organized by Sheboygan County's Board of Commissioners. She offered to conduct a forensic analysis to see if Sheboygan's machines were rigged, according to the video of the meeting obtained through a public records request. As in Barry County, Lambert cited the Antrim suit in an effort to win over Sheboygan leaders. An affidavit by Benjamin Cotton, founder of the digital forensics firm Cypher LLC, contained potentially explosive claim that a Dominion ballot marking device had communicated with internet protocol addresses in Germany and Taiwan, purported evidence that it could have been hacked. Cotton did not respond to request for comment. In reality, the device were never connected to the internet. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you sure you want to say that? Are you sure you want to say that the device was never connected to the internet? 
Legacy Press Media article because, uh, yeah, no, that's a lie, okay? During or after the election, again, another lie, according to Dominion, uh-huh, especially if it was according to Dominion, and Antrim County Clerk Cheryl Guy, a Republican. Okay, well, Cheryl Guy is clearly another rhino, okay, who does not know her own election equipment from the stain on her underwear, ladies and gentlemen. Dominion, in a statement, said the accuracy of the 2020 results has been confirmed in countless independent reviews. It called the Michigan hacking and vote-flipping allegations yet another example of how lies about Dominion have damaged our company and diminished the public's faith in elections. After Lambert's pitch, Sheboygan's commissioners, all Republicans, requested that the state allow to audit the county's 2020 results. By this time, a judge had dismissed the Antrim case, ruling that the plaintiff had no right to a new review of the voting because statewide audits had already confirmed the results. You mean recounting the uh, illegitimate and unlawful and um, fake ballots? Yeah, well, you know, I guess that's what you get when you just recount the same things over and over again, right? Michigan's Bureau of Elections denied Sheboygan's request and the effort uh, to review the machines there fizzled. In Barry County, however, Chief uh, Sheriff Leaf pushed ahead, now armed with his former deputy's complaint. At Lambert's suggestion in the spring of 2021, Leaf brought in a private investigator, Michael Lynch, who worked with Lambert and DiPerno on the Antrim suit, according to promotional material for a California event featuring Lynch as a speaker. Leaf assigned one of his deputy sheriffs, Kevin Erb, to team up with Lynch. Erb did not respond to requests for comment. Soon, Lynch and Erb began making unannounced visits to the elected clerks who oversee voting in the county's townships. The pair told the clerks they were being interviewed as part of a criminal investigation and advised them to tell no one. Two clerks who received the visits said. On June 11th, deputy left a message with Carlton Township Clerk Amanda Brown on her day off, asking her to meet them immediately at her office. His voicemail said there's his voicemail said there's an un- ongoing investigation, criminal investigation of election fraud in Carlton County, or sorry, Carlton Township, and they wanted to talk to me. Brown, a Republican, said, I was panicked, I was upset. Brown called Barry County Clerk Pamela Palmer, a Republican who took office in 2015. Palmer, too, was stunned. She is responsible for training and overseeing local clerks on election operations, but she had heard nothing about the leaf probe. Palmer immediately drove to the Carlton Township office where she buttonholed Lynch and the deputy. They informed her that they had already questioned five clerks. Why did I not know about this, Palmer said. She asked the investigators who told her they were working under the element of surprise. She recalled telling them there's nothing to investigate. We ran a clean election. A few days later, still steaming, Palmer called Barry County's elected prosecutor, Julie Knack for Pratt, to protest that the clerks were unfairly being cast under suspicion. Pratt said that she, too, was blindsided by Leaf's investigation, though she had worked effectively with the sheriffs, um, a fellow Republican, on hundreds of cases over a decade. 
Pratt said she went to see Leaf at his office on July 13th. She found him flanked by Lambert, Lynch, and a third out-of-towner from Trump World. I cannot stand the phrase Trump World, just like I cannot stand the phrase Stop the Steal. Anyways, okay, so uh, from Trump World, James Penrose, a former analyst, analyst, excuse me, and manager for the National Security Agency. Penrose had provided technical guidance to Powell's legal team on their failed uh, suit to overturn Michigan's election and to other Trump allies working nationally to reverse Biden's victory. Lambert pressed prosecutor Pratt to seek warrants to seize vote tabulators and records from local clerks, Pratt said. I heard them out, but I didn't see evidence of a crime, said Pratt, who told them there was no probable cause to raid clerk's office, Lambert Pratt said. Um, it was very insistent. Uh, she kept interrupting, but I held my ground. Penrose did not respond for requests of comment. Lambert's team left the prosecutor with three binders of material collected in the Leaf investigation. Pratt studied the material for two days and concluded there was nothing there. It read like a rehash of conspiracy theories and misinformation that judges had already rejected on grounds of standing, right? Not on grounds of looking at the actual uh, evidence. Uh, and that was uh, in the lawsuits from Trump's lawyers and allies. Pratt called Sheriff and urged him to suspend his investigation because it was putting our clerks under a cloud with no evidence. Leaf disputed that Pratt ever asked him to stop investigating or said that he was unfairly implicating clerks. It's not us versus the clerks, he said. Election fraud allegations and efforts by Trump supporters to get their hands on voting equipment kept popping up around Michigan. About 80 miles south of Barry County, the state police in October launched an investigation into Adams Township Clerk Stephanie Scott, a Republican. The Secretary of State had reprimanded Scott for refusing to allow routine maintenance on her voting equipment. Scott, a Trump supporter, said in a township meeting that she resisted the procedures in the belief they could erase the data from the 2020 election that she considered potential evidence. Good, 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 good clerk, I would say. State officials have said the maintenance would have no effect on preservation of data from past elections. Now, you know, if this legacy press outlet um, article had any amount of journalistic integrity, then what they could do is they could go back to the other clerk townships and see if any of that data was erased. And I'm pretty sure they would find that it was. But rather than having journalistic integrity, they're just going to tell you that um, Stephanie, uh, uh, sorry, Clerk Scott believed it would erase the data, but uh, it didn't. There's no evidence that uh, any data was ever erased in all of the other counties where the data is now gone, where they had these trust and build types of um, activities. Okay. All right, but these people have no integrity whatsoever. No integrity. All they do is spin their lies and their stories. It says, at the Secretary of State's order, the clerk of Hillsdale County, uh, the clerk of Hillsdale County, which includes Adams Township. <clears throat> oh, pardon me, just a moment. <laughs> 
There we go. All right. Much better. At the Secretary of State's order, the clerk of Hillsdale County, which includes Adams Township, stepped in to take possession of the town's voting equipment. The county clerk discovered that a key component had gone missing from one of the tabulators under Scott's control, the scan unit, which is the brains of the device. State police soon discovered the part in Scott's own office. The investigation continues. Lambert is serving as Scott's lawyer. Scott did not respond to request quest for comment. In February of this year, the Secretary of State's office got wind of a security breach of vote tabulators and data drivers, or sorry, data drives in Roscom uh, County, another conservative bastion in north central Michigan. Secretary of Snakes Benson announced February 10 that she had asked the state attorney general to begin a criminal investigation into the election security breaches, citing the Roscommon case. That probe has since expanded to include at least five towns and three counties, all of them rural areas Trump won easily in 2020, according to state police records obtained through records requests. The voting system breaches in at least two of the jurisdictions being scrutinized by state police, Roscommon and Misaki counties, came after a Republican state lawmaker who champions Trump's stolen elections claims pressured at least five clerks in the area to provide access to their voting equipment. The lawmaker, Dare Rendon, did not respond to interview requests, but previously has denied direct involvement in any breaches. Leaf's investigation had gone quite quiet for several months after last summer when Pratt, the prosecutor, raised concerns to the sheriffs about the lack of evidence to justify his probe. Then, early this year, he hired a new deputy, pardon me, a new deputy on his staff, Mark Noteboom to help push the investigation forward. In March, still lacking a warrant to compel cooperation, Noteboom began sending the county clerks sweeping public records requests for data and files from the 2020 election. And I'm sure Deputy Noteboom is going to find a lot of that data is missing. This is a criminal investigation, he wrote in one letter, so no information shall be redacted from requested materials. A backlash quickly followed. Some clerks denied the request outright, arguing Noteboom and Leaf were seeking records that did not exist or could not be legally provided. I told you, the records do not exist. All right, we're at the end of this article, guys. Let's just hit it and then we'll quit it. The following month, the attorney general's investigation turned to Irving Township, where the clerk turned over her office's Dominion vote tabulator to the investigator, working with Sheriff Leaf's office. State police seized the equipment in a raid on the township offices on the morning of April 29. Olson, the township clerk, told police she had been working with Leaf's office and that she let the investigator take the tabulator without a warrant, according to the state police report. The security seals on the device had been been broken, the report said, when the police found it in a bag next to the clerk's desk. The report did not specify when the machine was taken or how long it was out of Olson's custody. Leaf said the tabulator was taken in the spring of 2021. Palmer, the county clerk, said a state police investigator told her the device was taken to Detroit and torn apart before being returned to the township. Palmer did not know 
who took the machine. While many Barrie County clerks had been outraged by Leaf's investigation, Olson was receptive. In Facebook posts reviewed, Olson repeatedly embraced false stolen election claims and shared a video promoting the baseless QAnon conspiracy theory, which casts Trump as a savior figuring battle a democratic cabal of Satanist pedophiles and cannibals. The video was titled Q, The Plan to Save the World. I want to believe this will happen, Olson wrote when she shared it on November 25th, 2020, right after Trump's election loss. The 2020 vote was the first presidential election clerked by Olson, who also drives a school bus and served as a U.S. Army logistics officer in Operation Desert Storm. She told the Barry County Commission at its October 2021 meeting that she first suspected voter fraud shortly before Election Day in 2020, when she noticed an unusual van parked outside the township hall covered with antennas and obscured by trees according to video of the commission meeting. She speculated that someone seeking to hack into her vote tabulator may have sent a technical team to access it wirelessly. Dominion has repeatedly said the tabulators used in Irving Township are not connected to the internet and they cannot be remotely accessed. This has been debunked. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I don't need to tell my audience, but just for uh, those of you out there who've never heard of such a thing or who are brand new to such a broadcast, this has been debunked. There are five different reports, including one by a federal agency that says, yes, these machines can be connected to the Internet and they can be remotely accessed. Seems to me like this uh, BD News 24 needs to do a little bit more homework before they run around with the groupthink falsities that is getting us into this mess. Article concludes. Leaf said that Olson brought her concerns to him and they have become a focus of his, of his investigation. Olson told state police that she believed the investigator who took the tabulator was acting on Leaf's authority and that otherwise she would not have given it to him, according to the police report. A state investigator asked if the sheriff department asked her to do this. The report noted she said they did. State police redacted the names of Leaf and Olson from the report, but the sheriff and the clerk both confirmed the report includes their interviews with state police. The name of the investigator was also redacted. When asked Leaf whether Lynch, the private investigator working with his deputies, um, his deputies took the tabulator, he said, I don't know about that. Olson declined to comment on the state police raid, but said, I'm just trying to do what's right. Soon after the raid, state investigators subpoenaed the two sheriff's investigators, Leaf assigned to vote to the voter fraud prod, sorry, to the voter fraud probe, Noteboom and Herb, which Leaf, uh, Leaf took as a direct threat. He said he looked at the subpoenas and concluded, those bastards are going after me. In early June, Leaf filed his lawsuit asserting that the Attorney General and other Michigan officials improperly undermined his authority over county investigations. And that is actually the last time we, the last story we covered was this exactly, where um, Sheriff Leaf files a lawsuit against Nacelle and against Whitmer and against Benson, okay? Let's see how this article spins that, right? It says the suit calls the state police an unelected and unaccountable strong arm of the state and accuses state leaders of a campaign to bully and threaten him. The attorney general and state police declined to comment 
on Leaf's lawsuit. Olson's fellow clerks in Barry County say the turmoil stirred up by Sheriff Leaf shows no sign of ending. It's the election that won't die, Robin Hawthorne, the Republican clerk of Barry County's Rutland Charter Township for 18 years said, and Dar Leaf will not let it die. Interesting article, right? That's just to bring up some of that story. And that's actually the latest on the story is that we have Sheriff Darleaf having um, sued uh, the the Wretched Three over there. I mean, basically what they've done to him, ladies and gentlemen, what they've done to him is they have totally undermined and hijacked his office as the highest, ladies and gentlemen, and, and uh, please uh, don't allow me to mince my words as the highest elected authority in the land per county. They have no right or legal means to take over his jurisdiction, period. OK, all right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Hey, NAS fan. I don't know if you're still in the audience, but uh, <laughs> thank you for gifting the shades. Oh, wait, wait, let me put these on. Thank you for gifting the shades over here at uh, the Sea Report. Naspan says, long-serving election clerks, LMAFO. Uh, they mean long-cheating election clerks. If that's not a true statement, Naspan, I don't know what is. But thank you for your generous donation it is much appreciated, my friend. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to bring our session to a close for today for the C-Report. Thank you so much for hanging in there and hanging tight. We did an hour of overtime today, and I know there's some weird stuff going behind my head. I had to turn the lights off because it is so hot in here right now. I am sweating in my blazer, okay? All right, so that's why I'm glowing now like I'm in the dark. Okay, you guys don't like it? Fine, we'll put the lights back on. All right, there we go. Oh, there we go. There's Mr. C's uh, tan color skin. All right, guys, so we're going to call it a wrap for today. Don't forget, we have elections in um, pretty imperative states tomorrow, but all around Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, Washington. I'm going to take some time out and try and figure out how to make this a kind of like, I don't know, kind of like um, kind of like an elections watch kind of evening because uh, Arizona and Michigan are absolutely pivotal for us in the America First movement. And then, of course, you know, I think whichever way Kansas, Missouri, Ohio goes or Washington, it's going to be very interesting nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and some of those states I'm particularly looking forward to uh, keeping an eye on as we move towards November. All right. If you're joining us over at the foxhole.app, at pill.net, at rumble, at clouthub, at twitch, at YouTube, at Trovo, thank you so much for joining us. Please make sure to follow and subscribe to this channel if you enjoyed the content I brought to you today. Monday through Friday, we're doing uh, America First reporting at 7.30 p.m. Central Time by way of the Sea Report. And let's not forget, if you are Texas kinfolk, that means your Texas friend or family, we have a Texas-centric news show that happens Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 3 p.m. Central Texas time. And that show is called Lone Star News. Okie dokie. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, we'll have to bid you adieu for now. We will be back again tomorrow. And uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, as always...
be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you next time. This is Mr. C signing out. talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're going to die on this hill. We're going to be gay and we're going to rape our children no matter what you say because we are Disney. Uh, We don't normally run Sea in the Dark uh, during the week. Uh, For those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald man talking about? Uh, You know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, So you got your Sea Report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do Sea in the Dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature. Come into the screen. So look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. We're sorry, the number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is. Though victory is proof of the skills you possess, defeat is the proof of your grit. A weakling can smile in his days of success, but at trouble's first sign, he will quit. So the test of the heart and the test of your pluck isn't skies that are sunny and fair, but how do you stand to the blow that is struck, and how do you battle despair? A fool can seem wise when the pathway is clear, and it's easy to see the way out, but the test of a man's judgment is something to fear and what does he do when in doubt and the proof of his faith is the courage he shows when sorrows lie deep in his breast it's the way that he suffers the griefs that he knows that bring out his worst or his best the test of a man is how much he will bear for a cause which he knows to be right how long will he stand in the depths of despair How much will he suffer and fight? There are many who serve when the victory's near, and few are the hurts to be borne. But it calls for a leader of courage to cheer the men in a battle forlorn. It's the way you hold out against odds that are great that proves what your courage is worth. It's the way that you stand to the bruises of fate that shows up your stature and girth. And victory's nothing but proof of your skill, veneered with a glory that's thin. Unless it is proof of unfaltering will, and unless you have suffered to win.